Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Who's ready for some more jazz basketball? Jazz tonight, back in action against the Clippers. Clippers with a bunch of guys listed as questionable. They're going to play at Coy. We'll see what they say later today, see who actually plays. And even if they say they're going to play, do they actually play? Once the game starts, they play five minutes, they don't feel right, and then they're out. All of that has to be figured out. For the Jazz, just keep doing what you're doing. You're winning nine in a row after the loss to Denver, which followed 11 in a row. It's 20 out of 21. So do what you do, and it's all about the consistency now, and we'll see if one or both of the Clipper stars is able to go because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both questionable. It seems to me like Kawhi Leonard would be the better bet. I'm not convinced either guy will go. And, you know, if they miss enough games here, then they can beg off the All-Star game and not go to that. I think there are a few players who would like to do that. So we'll see how this plays out. Looking forward to that game tonight. College basketball was the story last night. The Utes went to Oregon State and got beat. BYU went to... Pacific and picked up a win. 80 to 52. The Cougars dominate the Tigers. It was, um, you know, the game, they were up 12 at the half. BYU was taking control of it with a run right before halftime. And then they just blew them off the floor in the second half. Caleb Lona was a star with 19 points and nine rebounds. He shot the three really well. He was five of six. Um, you know, Pacific's not good. They fell to 3-6 and six in the league, so I don't want to celebrate this as too much. Uh, Trevin Nell did have a season-high 15 points. His previous high had been 12 against Pepperdine, and he was 4-6 of six from 3. So those three-pointers really helped him. Those two guys um, really helped him pull away there as they for a combined 9 of 12 from 3. Uh, but they had four guys in double figures. There was some balance there. And honestly, it just wasn't a difficult game. The Cougars have too much size. They have too much talent. And they overwhelmed Pacific, and they get the win, and they improved to 16-5 and five on the year. Also, uh, BYU and the West Coast Conference announcing that the final week of the season has been uh, reconfigured. So uh, BYU had one home game there, and now they have two. So in a year that's been a little short on games, it looks like BYU is going to end up playing 25 regular uh, no, excuse me, 24 regular season games, assuming they don't have any more COVID cancellations. But they'll be home next Thursday and Saturday, so get a couple more games in. Uh, they'll be on the road here over the weekend. So West Coast Conference reworking actually a uh, – a bunch of games there, but they're going to get uh, USF at home on February 25th. That's a Thursday on CBS Sports Network, and then St. Mary's on Saturday, February 27th. And that game will be on ESPNU or ESPN2. And if you missed it last night, St. Mary's had to go to Gonzaga, and they got worked. They got humiliated. I mean, that lead went to 10, it went to 20, it went to 30. That, that was a blowout. That was just a complete beating. Uh, which gives you an idea what the conference tournament might look like, assuming everyone goes to the conference tournament. As for the Utes, too many turnovers. My gosh, that was an ugly basketball game. And Oregon State, they ended up winning 74-56, but they had ugly stretches early on, too. That game was there for the taking. Utes were down 30-24 at the half, but it was actually like a two-point game with three or four minutes left in the half. And Oregon State had a little, pulled away a little bit there. The Utes played their best basketball out of the locker room at halftime. There was a four-minute stretch, roughly. Uh, They came out, went on a run. From 30-24, they took the lead at 39-38. It was a 15-8 run. You're thinking, all right, they got it together. They got the offense going. Timmy Allen kept them afloat. 
He had 12 of their 24 points in the first half, and after him, nobody could score. And he kept him in the game. And, and to the credit of all the guys, they all defended. You know, a 30-point half in the Pac-12, man, you're going to take that. You get in a conference game, whether it's Pac-12, Mountain West, West Coast Conference, whatever. You hold a team to 30 points and a half, you're defending. So they were playing hard, but they just, they're so sloppy with the ball. that just some of the passes they throw um, were just dreadful. I mean, just, they, they had no chance. They had multiple passes that had no chance of getting where they were supposed to go. And the second half, the turnovers really bit them. They ended up with 20 turnovers. Carlson did get it going. He ended up 5-7 uh, of seven from the floor, 5-5 five of five from the free throw line. He actually had a three-pointer, finished with 16 points. But those two guys had 40 to 56 points, and the rest of the guys shot less than 25% as a group. Uh, nobody could shoot it. And Plummer, who was the hero uh, in the Colorado game when he caught fire um, coming off the bench, well, he's back in the starting lineup. He's 1 of 11 shooting the ball and 0 of 7 from 3. Finished with 4 points. Hit a couple, hit a couple free throws. But, and he wasn't the only guy who struggled. I mean, it was just, you know, up and down the lineup. Everybody had problems shooting, except for Allen and Carlson. Those are the only two guys. And that's not enough offense. They get beat 74-56, and they drop to 9-9 nine and nine on the year, 6-8 and eight in conference. You'd think they're underdogs, and they ought to lose to Oregon Saturday, which would drop them 9-10 and 6-9 and and coming home to face Oregon State on Monday. So not good for the Utes, not good at all. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk some basketball with Craig Bojack, TV voice of the Jazz, Joe Ingles, later in the hour. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Utah Jazz are back at it tonight against the Clippers. We'll see how many of the Clippers actually play. I would assume Paul George, no. Don't know about Nick Batum. They've been very um, careful with him. Uh, Ty Lu, their coach, was on Zoom and got asked about him. And, and so, oh, I don't know, I just got to the arena. <laughs> because, because he hadn't been in the arena earlier for a shoot-around and no one had texted him all day, no one had called him all day. <laughs> No one in L.A. ever makes a phone call in their car parked at a red light getting to the arena. Okay. They don't really, They just don't want to talk about injuries. That's just his, his way of not talking about it. We'll see if uh, Kawhi Leonard is available. He was uh, questionable going into that Wednesday game. Um, wouldn't be surprised if any or all of them sat again. But however that plays out, and, and ditto for Conley too, because he's right on the verge of coming back, it sounds like. And we bring that up with Craig Bowlerjack. He joined us late in the show yesterday. Here's the TV voice of the Jazz, talking all things Jazz on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Craig Bowlerjack's weekly interview is presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. David James, BK. I kind of got a rush right now. <laughs> 19 out of 20, Buller. Are you running out of words? You've used a lot of superlatives on a lot of broadcasts. I'm wondering how many more words you've got. Um, I'm digging down deep. PK, DJ, if you got a few, throw them my way. Uh, No, it's, um, you know, it's, let's use remarkable, uh, intriguing. uh, I mean, just anything you want. It's, uh, It's quite, you know, this is historic for jazz franchise history. So, 
I saw you, you know, this morning you posted at Ho Hum. I mean, I, I'm just I'm just sitting back in kind of a a state of wow, a state of awe, uh, to be honest. The way they win, there's multiple ways. And uh, last night was it pretty? At times, no. First half, uh, I thought the Clippers' defensive strategy was uh, was spot on. Like Ty uh, Ty said last night, uh, uh, Ty Ty Lu and the head coach, and he said, "Look, you know, you got to press them out on the three point line and defend." The pick and roll, they did a great job doing that, but the Jazz figured it out and attacked. And I thought they upped their their whole intensity in the second half. And gosh, what was a five point deficit at the half? They run away from them and went by eighteen. I mean, it's every night's a different different way of doing it, and it's that that's probably the most intriguing part about it right now. Yeah, it really is. I thought that in a sense that was sort of cool in that. All right, the Clippers. They're without their two stars at the top. Still got some players, though. I mean, you can't deny that. Uh, So, you know, I I hesitate to say it was the JV team because they got four or five guys that they're pretty much playing for any team in the league. But I think the Jazz knew that, all right, studs aren't there. Maybe psychologically, as human beings, you get off to a little bit of a sluggish start. But then in the third quarter, all right, guys, we're not going to lose this game. Let's put the hammer down on these dudes. I mean, we'll give them a you know an A for effort and all this stuff, but and it's valiant. But they're not as good as us, so let's just put them away and win comfortably. And that's exactly what they did. So I don't think that I'm upset that they got down by five at halftime. I like the way the fact when they flipped the switch and they turned it on, they blew them away. Absolutely. I mean, 35-point third quarter, another big one to, you know, to, to end it in the fourth, and it's it's a 114-96 game. The other part of that, too, PK, is they gave up 51 first-half points and then, again, slowly shut the door on the Clippers. Uh, Patrick Beverly, he's a defensive you know, uh, menace for, for the Jazz. Reggie Jackson, I thought. You know, played a nice game, um, Lou Williams. But again, if I look at the fourth quarter, uh, that's where the Jazz just kind of shut down those scores. Lou Williams was not as impactful as he was in the first half by any means. And then you get a two-way guy named Amir Coffey who, you know, gave uh, gave um, the Clippers a, a nice second half. But, I, I you know, it, you make a great point about knowing that Kawhi and Paul George weren't going to play. Uh, you even toss in the name of uh, Batum, and all of a sudden you think, okay, sure. another yeah. walk in the park. But in reality, everybody in this league, you know, has a high level of talent, and the Jazz just turned theirs up, you know, to that next level in the second half. I never sense panic with this team throughout this entire run, and I think there's a confidence building here that is just, you know, unless you're in that locker room, which again this year we don't get a chance to to get into, but there is an incredible amount of confidence that's uh, basically raging through this team right now, and it goes one to one to nine, you know, even one to 11 and 12, like a Jarrell Brantley, a Jawan Morgan, a Mieoni, those guys are getting on the floor late, yes, but still you can tell they, they're playing with confidence too. So I guess the one thing is the uh, the question you referenced on the Facebook page, you know, is all the winning getting ho-hum. Uh, we've seen with other teams, other sports, college pro, there are times where teams are winning and it's just too easy, and they do seem to lose their focus, and they do seem to get bored. Uh, do you think there's any chance that happens with this team? Because it doesn't seem like they can keep winning at this rate either. 
And it's hard uh, this, to see what's going to upset the apple cart, but you've watched a lot yeah. of NBA basketball, and you know, well, teams don't win 19 out of 20 routinely. You're not no. going to do this in the next 20 games. You okay, can't. so maybe 17 out of 20. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> 17 out of 20. Uh, I don't think I think the X factor here has to be Quinn Snyder of keeping this team focused, but you guys make a great point. The human factor has to come into play here sooner than later. I mean, I think fans have to understand that. And I think they do. Um, look, 24-5, and five, um, and tomorrow night the Clippers again, whether or not you see Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, you know, it's, it's, you just go back and play this game and maybe a, a, few, a few changes from uh, Ty Lue. Uh, but, yeah, I thought, again, the game plan was pretty solid. I don't see him changing much. Gobert was a huge factor last night, guys. I mean, it's fourth career 2020. And he dominated, right? I mean, Serge Ibaka, you know, stepped out and hit a couple of threes. Um, Zubats is a pretty physical player, I thought, for the Clippers. And I'm impressed with his play and kind of pushes Rudy around a little bit more. But uh, I think Rudy's confidence is sky high. I mean, that, DK, don't you see that? I mean, I, I, I thought, again, he, his hands are stronger. He's going up with more determination. And all of a sudden, he's starting to find more confidence at the free throw line. And every rebound is his. I mean, it's it's really an amazing thing to watch. It really is. Well, you just mirrored and echoed the exact words that I said earlier this morning in that I thought that the thing that I, I'm a big body language guy. Yeah. Your physical presence out on the floor. And I thought that the way he dunked was very violent, and I thought that his hands looked better, the best that I've seen. Sometimes he has a player or two, and once he looks a little awkward, I don't think he did that. I thought he was looking for his shot instead of being tentative. And then when he was getting fouled, he was putting that ball just over the rim, nice and soft, so it's not a swish. It ends up getting the bounce to go in, and that's all that matters. And so I said earlier, DJ can back me up, that all things considered, I thought it was his best game of the season. I can't argue. No, I thought it was the most. You, you bring up an interesting uh, you know, comment or observation is it's that uh, – the body language of a lot of these guys, by the way, and that tells you a lot. Uh, he's turned away from arguing to PK uh, and DJ with the officials, even though, you know, you can tell he likes in, in the past. I think he's really tried to refocus and get back and run, which uh, I think Donovan made that, that comment last night that he's running with us. And instead of standing back and complaining that he didn't pick up the foul, um, and I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Maybe he's finally understanding as he continues to grow, and I believe he is, guys. I mean, let's be honest. He's made huge strides in the last couple of years and this season as well. Um, KK asked last night, are you playing with a chip on your on his shoulder? And I really believe he always has and always will. There's something ingrained in his mind about respect and being picked 27th and the, to prove that he is, to, you know, in fact – the best defender uh, in the NBA, and he's proven it twice. But he wants to to be to, to make sure that people don't forget that he doesn't like to be overlooked or maligned or you know questioned. And so that's the fuel, man, right now that runs Rudy Gobert. And I saw a lot of it last night, just like you, PK, about determination, anger, um, taking over a game, and it's really intriguing to watch this whole process with this team. Is is a is quite a storyline of itself. 
And the three-point shot, sometimes it doesn't go down. They struggled in the first half. They still hit 13 last night. But they're timely threes, but they have other options now. And I think they understand that. Defense will, will fuel their offense. And, you know, we saw it against Miami. We saw it again last night. And that's what's the most intriguing part about the Jazz is they're just not a one-way team. They have multiple ways of getting the job done. Do you have any sense when uh, when Conley might be back? He's missed six games, and uh, you know he's out a long time last year. And we heard that this injury wasn't as bad as last year because he was questionable before they ruled him out. I wondered if maybe he was getting closer. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing I can you know. Again, the Jazz is we all know very tight lipped when it comes to injury, but the only the, the only indicator really is through that injury report when you go from out to probable or questionable to probable. Uh, and then you jump in. I would think after this road trip, you come home for two, and you got the weekend off Saturday, Sunday, before you jump back on the floor with Charlotte. So, you know, you think it's a a process, and obviously Mike knows his body at 34 uh, or 33, so I'm guessing, you know, they're working with him on trying to figure this thing out, but I'm guessing he's getting closer just in the sense of the injury report. That's the only indicator that I have right now. But I've seen him, you know, before we're on air and the way things are going this this year, you know, with calling games off the Jumbotron on away games, he's out there, you know, and and he's warming up at home. You see him taking shots and still trying to, you know, keep in rhythm. So, I mean, it's, it's not to the point where he can't be on the leg, but obviously I think he's getting closer. That's my guess. That's only a guess, but... It'll be interesting to see him back, how he works his way back into the lineup. Joe Ingles, guys, has done an incredible job. Um, and the way that he is, you know, synced right now on the floor with Gobert and even Favors uh, and even Donovan, man, seven assists last night. Joe had, you know, five. Uh, pardon me. Yeah, five. So the, 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 they had 12 assists of the 19 last night, those two. So they're really dialed in with Gobert. And that's been a big key as well. So how do we explain what I think Joe Ingles is doing is playing the best ball of his NBA life this season? Well, PK, I can't argue, and Quinn Snyder echoed it last night. Um, you know, it's he is incredibly fun to watch. He's dialed in, tuned in. Um, how do you do that, PK, at 33? Uh, how, does, how does even Mike Conley, before the injury, improve uh, in his 14th year? in the NBA because I guess they're open to coaching and they're also hungry. Uh, and that's a key too, I think for this team is that there is this, this hunger. Um, I know people look at me and talk about cliches and come on, it can't be that way. It is. Uh, there's a, this is a team that uh, obviously made a decision after getting knocked out by Denver last year or after, you know, with the three, one lead, consciously saying to themselves this isn't going to happen again and you know there was obviously a lot of discussion about who we are in the bubble what we want to become and here they are and I think Joe obviously is a centerpiece of that PK I really think that's probably part of the answer is that his leadership with Donovan and the way that he plays the game with you know people call high IQ but you have to he's Joe I mean there's angles uh, he outsmarts, outwits so many of his opponents. And 
Then, of course, he plays free with a three-point shot. And it's just the confidence that he plays with right now. I would agree. He's at at, at an all-time high. Absolutely. So you got any idea how long he can sustain this? Because on the one hand, 33 seems the point where your career ought to start to tail off a little bit. But at the same time, we hear it's, well, it's really about how many minutes you play. Well, he played in Europe, and they don't play as many games a week, and the games are 40 minutes, not 48. So he hasn't played as many minutes. He's played like 13,000 in the NBA. So should we think that he's going to push the envelope here on uh, 33, 34, 35? Well, you know, you made me pick up the box score because I was figuring, without even you saying that, how many minutes actually did he play last night? And I'm sure that Quinn is um, aware of that. How, I mean, I thought he played 30 just because of the impact he had on the game last night. But in reality, he played 24, 24 minutes. And Donovan went 34, and O'Neal played 34, and Clarkson played 33, Gobert 32. That surprises me because, again, the way that he impacted the game last night, I thought he played more than that. But I think it's got to be an issue – uh, to your point, DJ, that Quinn has to understand. I know, uh, sure, Quinn's tuned in. The coaches that are there, analytics, numbers, minutes, all the above are at his fingertips. And obviously the Jazz are aware of, of keeping him on the floor, but in critical minutes, closing minutes. And I'm sure they understand they've got to keep Joe healthy, bottom line, especially after the Achilles kind of flared up a little bit, right? I mean, I think they've got to be very aware of that. So I'm wondering, since Joe is playing so well, if you bring Bogdanovich off the bench. Mm. Well, he's in a he's in a bit of a quandary right now. You could tell last night. You talk body language, PK. I don't know. I, I saw a couple of uh, reaction shots off the monitor that you could tell. Man, he's going. Why isn't Why isn't this working? Why isn't this going in? And Bogey last night, two of ten, did not hit a three. In fact, his last uh, five games, he's below 25% from the three-point shot So with the three-pointer. So, yeah, you know, Quinn, Quinn has that ability to make any changes he wants. Joe obviously can't adapt, and you guys talk to him on a weekly basis. I think, though, he thrives as a starter, PK. I really do. And, I, you know, only he can explain it, but he always talks the right talk, and that is put me wherever you need me, coach, and I'll play. But, boy, as a starter, he just seems to be much more engaged. Um, and maybe it just opens up the fact the ball's in his hands much more than it, than it is when he comes in with the second unit. So, yeah, I mean, you hate to, you know, with Conley out, but you continue to win, I just wonder what direction they'll go and how they'll do this. It'll be an interesting decision by Quinn Snyder. Uh, do you rock the boat? Do you change up the lineup? Or do you go back to what? you know, what he went with from the very beginning. That, that's going to have to happen here pretty quick, pretty soon. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. We will hear you on the broadcast with the Jazz and the Clippers, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Good talking to you. Ho-hum. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. This is fun. Keep the train rolling. But uh, got another, you know, another challenge tomorrow night, and then next week uh, LeBron comes to town. So more answers on the way for sure. There's Craig Bullerjack, the TV voice of the Jazz. When we come back, Joe Ingles. And not just Joe Ingles. Classic Joe Ingles. Unbelievably good Joe Ingles. I don't want to oversell this. 
But that's okay because I can't. He's that good. Did you know he and Donovan have a baseball bet? All right, that's coming up. And trust me, you want to hear this. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles joined us yesterday with the time difference, 9.30 here, 8.30 in L.A. It was right at the end of the show, but Joe was in rare form talking about uh, his own improvement, but also the guys around him and Donovan Mitchell and the, uh, the baseball talk, the baseball bet they have back and forth. Here's classic Joe Ingles. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz, Jingle Bells, Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles from Los Angeles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Where's the energy? Where's the vitality? Where's the spirit that is Joe Ingles? Good morning. How's that? Really excited to do this, and then I forgot that I was an hour ahead of you, so I had to get up an hour early. Right. <laughs> 9.30 in Utah is 8.30 in L.A. Yeah, And, and you... I'm usually up earlier than that, but without the kids and obviously a game at night, I was going to have a little sleep in and enjoy it, but it's fine. I'm, I'm doing all right. All right. So another another day, another W. Do you find these routine? Do you find every game is a little different so it isn't routine? Because different teams, different challenges. I'm curious because man, the wins are really piling up at this point. How does it feel from inside the locker room? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's nice to win, obviously. Um, there's no, no better feeling, obviously, kind of regardless of how you play individually or as a team, if, if you could figure out how to win at the end of the day, that's obviously the, the goal. So um, they're not all going to be pretty. We're not going to blow everyone out by 20 and just kind of cruise through the the season. And I mean, I think everyone, every team is going to be somewhat different. Um, they're going to play out differently. They're going to have different adversity that they're facing that it might make the some guys, some other guys play harder or play more, which is different to what you used to or, or whatever. So, um, I mean, last night we obviously, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of like that team that, that Doc had that that they didn't really have a quote unquote superstar, but they they all played well together and they kind of had that little run um, in either Doc's last year or second to last year or whatever it was. So. That's kind of what it felt like. They were they were out there, and obviously the the ball moves a bit more because they don't have Kawhi and PG, and that's not taking anything away from those guys. But when they've got them out there, obviously they they feed them, and and Kawhi's 
great in those those post ups and stuff like that, and and PG plays a lot of, of pick and roll. So it was it was it, it was a different challenge because we weren't sure if um, uh, I think PG was always out, but Kawhi was kind of fifty fifty. So it uh, it was good to get a, another win. And yeah, the hard part is, I mean, we've done this. I think we've done this twice this year. Um, the hard part is, is honestly playing the same team again. Um, it's hard to beat an NBA team once, let alone twice in a row. So um, I'm assuming, we're assuming they'll get someone back or a couple of their guys back. Um, so yeah, we'll be ready for, it'll be a bit of a different game probably. But yeah, we obviously have the same same kind of mindset of just whoever's kind of out there, um, do what we do and, and like you said, hopefully get another win. So, but as far as the no travel, do you like this opportunity to just be in one place and get two games out of it? I mean, it's much nicer than having to jump on a plane last night and go somewhere else. Um, I mean, we we played the game. We were back at the hotel by 9.30 or whatever it was and um, we're able to get some food. And um, I mean, it's still, I think a lot of guys, you still can't go right to sleep after the game or anything like that. But to just, yeah, just to be, Walk up to your room and um, after seeing what Renee and the kids <laughs> were doing in the snow yesterday and how high it was, um, the the sun is out here and I was walking around in a t-shirt yesterday. So nice for for that little change, but um, yeah, I'll be excited to go home too whenever we're done with this. Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Quinn got a question in his post-game Zoom about you and you playing your best basketball and uh, why that might be, and he gave a, uh, a long, detailed, thorough answer. And uh, you hate talking about yourself, but you are playing well, and I think some people at 33 would, think, would expect a guy to kind of uh, you know, plateau or taper off. How would you explain this if somebody said, asked you, how, how are you doing this? Why are you kicking A, Joe? Let's get to the point. <laughs> That's so not going to help chance, him answer it. There's still a chance I'm going to plateau and fall off. <laughs> you guys have <laughs> talked it into fruition, so it's probably going to happen. But um, no, I mean, I mean, I got the I got the same question or a similar one um, about coach. Why he's such a good coach? So <laughs> we we obviously uh, had to answer a similar question. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I said to you guys, I mean, obviously you guys and, and everyone that listened and watched us last year, I was a little bit uncomfortable coming off the bench last year, and I don't mean that in terms of not not accepting that role or not wanting to do it, but I just I, I just didn't, um, especially at the start of the year, obviously. Um, yeah, I just couldn't find a rhythm. I just couldn't get going. I couldn't find a rhythm. It, it, it was different. Um, again, I'm not saying I didn't want to do it or I was against it or, or anything like that I just I hadn't done it for I don't even know what it was three or four years here and, and kind of every summer with the national team and other teams I've been on so um, it, it was really different for me um, and then obviously with the the last year was a bit of a mess kind of regardless that Mike got injured so I started and then he came back and then the bubble happened and then Boyan was out and so it was a bit of a mess but um I mean, I just yeah, I don't know, everything. Everything is. I mean, I'm in. A, I'm just in a good spot, I guess. I, um, I I've, I've always loved playing. Obviously, that's no no question with with that. And 
that's 99.9 Quinn's, um, I don't know, not, not his fault, but the, the re, Quinn's reasoning. Because, I mean, before I got to, to Utah, as I've spoken about before, like I, I really wasn't enjoying playing basketball. It was my kind of last chance of, let's try and figure out if I can get back to this kind of love for it and... Um, or, or I'll be back in, <clears throat> be back in the NBL in Australia. So um, he, he's a, obviously a big part of it, and I think having a pretty solid and amazing kind of support system at home with with Renee and the kids, and the, the kids are great, and, and you know, the new little guy Jack is doing really well, and and obviously it's Renee is doing really well. I think it's it's been really tough on her in terms of not being able to get home or have some family come over. Like no one's, no one's met our third child yet or anything, which uh, it is hard, but just having, having all their support and there's days I'm like, man, I should be doing more to help Renee. And she pushes me out the door to go and get shots up or get treatment. And um, I, I think just overall as a, as a whole, and I mean, I don't want to, say I'm having my best year or not or whatever the stats or numbers or anything say but I, I just I'm just in it yeah I'm in a really good spot I'm, I'm happy um, and yeah it's it, I mean at the end of the day it also helps when, when everyone in your team's playing well and you're moving the ball and you're playing a, a really cool style that fits your team and um, yeah everything everything's in a in a good spot so what do you anticipate happening to your game when Conley comes back? Um, I mean, I'll go to the bench. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, okay, you go to the bench, which I, I don't know that that's necessarily a guarantee, but if you want to go that way, how are you going to be able to maintain your pro- productivity if that's what happens, you are coming off the bench? Um, I mean, I feel like I was playing pretty well and productive when he was playing too. Uh, right, I would agree. I think the... Uh, like the the biggest and obvious difference, which difference which people realise is obviously I'll, I'll I'll obviously have the ball a little bit less, um, which is which is fine by me. It's not a it's not a, a bad thing, um, and and we'll we'll figure it out again. We'll I think I missed those whatever I missed four games or whatever. Then Donovan missed a couple. And obviously Mike's missed um, kind of five or six, whatever it's been now. But um, we'll we'll just figure it out. We. We've got a great team with that. Um, I think when previous to Mike's injury, we would I would come off the bench, obviously, I think for him at the start, and then he would come back in and we'd finish the quarter together. And um, I mean, there's so many possessions in a game. I, I think the way we play and the, the style Quinn has us playing and the pace we're playing, I, I mean, there's enough possessions for, for all of our guys that are, are creators or... Um, not need the ball, but are obviously effective with the ball in our hands. There's enough possession for us all to, to, to kind of have it for a little bit. And again, the thing that is the best thing at the end of the day is that there, there is no egos. There is no, like I want Mike to come back probably more than anyone. <laughs> like it's not, I'm not trying to sitting in my hotel room, hoping Mike's out another game so I can go and shoot some more threes and play a few more minutes. Um, I, I want him back more than anyone and um, when, when he gets back we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out but uh, I have no doubt there will be no issues with it. Alright, let's get to some of the fun stuff and I hear from people now all the time <laughs> as they watch the games 
because they know we're going to talk to you once a week. So Ben Simmons comes out for Philadelphia, and, and he is hot, right? I mean, he got to 10 points like that. And there's a timeout, and you guys are crossing paths going to the bench, and he had something to say to you, and he had a little smirk and a grin. Maybe you had a little one. What, was, was he just letting you have it? Was that an Australian thing right there? Um, I honestly can't even remember, which is oh. bad, but I, <laughs> it, it definitely wasn't anything bad. I mean, I've, I've obviously known Ben for a little bit, and sure. um, I'm hoping he uh, he plays with the national team this summer and all that happens. So I'm, I'm obviously happy. Um, I think I think the same as kind of what I was saying. I think, I think he's in a really good spot. I, I think he kind of mentally, <clears throat> he always has these questions over why isn't he shooting the ball or not shooting the ball outside the pain or, or whatever. It's like, well, it's, it, I mean, it's like Rudy to a certain extent. Like, why would you shoot outside the pain when you don't need to? Like he, what do you have? Forty? I think he had forty-two or forty-four or whatever it was. And someone, someone showed us a shot chart after the game. It was like he took one shot outside of the outside of the paint for the game and had forty-two points. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think uh, I think he's in a good spot, and, and I'm happy for him. And um, yeah, it was good to see him. Um, I mean, I think it, uh, he fouled me one time, but. Um. Yeah, just a bit of talking with a <laughs> with a buddy, and um, yeah, like I said, uh, I mean, honestly, I hope he I hope he plays this summer and um, can actually play with him. It'd be it'd be fun to play with him. So we have the Stockton shot to put the Jazz in the finals is the greatest shot. I think I witnessed the greatest play: O'Neal to Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich behind the back in midair. Mitchell, I've never seen a cross-court, corner-to-corner <laughs> pass. Never. I've been watching ball longer than you've been alive, and I've never seen that. And so that ball's coming there. Well, in order for this to be the greatest play in Jazz history, you got to make the three, and you do. Did you think at that any, time, wow. Was there any doubt? Was there any doubt? That wasn't for me, but maybe for some doubters, and I'm not. I've always been your biggest fan. I mean, there's Renai and the kids, and then there's PK, and you put us all together. We're all in the same boat there. But I was just praying the one shot because in order to have the best play, you got to make the shot. Any any concern about that? Were you nervous at all? No, I wasn't nervous. The whole thing happened so quickly. I was I was honestly just glad I got an extra shot up. To be honest, um, no, I mean it was a I mean it was a pretty crazy play, and yeah, um, I think the. One of the funny parts about it is when uh, whoever I think you said Royce drove when Royce drove first. Yeah, something had obviously happened in that play. I, I was standing at the half court, like I was ready to. I guess I assumed either Royce was going to shoot it or Boyan or Donovan, someone was going to shoot it out of those right. three. And <clears throat> me and uh, Rudy, I think it was, or there was two of them. It was myself and someone else were standing at the half court, and I saw it all play out and then um, I saw Donovan get it and I was obviously it happens in a split second it doesn't happen this slowly <laughs> um, but in my head I was like oh that like Brooke Lopez is going to have to take me if I just like come into play a little bit um, and then I didn't think he saw me so I was like oh, I'll get a bit further to the corner um, again this obviously happens much quicker but I ran to the corner and I 
I didn't. I you guys probably know. I didn't know how much was on the shot clock, but I knew there wasn't much on the shot clock because I've, I've obviously what had happened. Like I, I think I might have had the ball to start. There was something something happened before Royce got it, and then Royce, and then Boyan and Donovan. He held it. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to run to the corner and see if it, if Donovan can make a pass. If not, he's probably going to shoot it, and I'll have to run back. So. Um, yeah, it just kind of happened the way it happened, and I just knew when he threw it that I, again, I don't know exactly what the time was, but I just was assuming and pretty confident in my mind I had to shoot it. So um, it makes it a lot easier to not have to think about it when you know in your mind the shot clock's down and you have to shoot it anyway. So um, it was a hell of a pass, though. I've never seen. It was. I mean, I've I've played a lot. I've played a lot of games. I've played with some pretty good passes I've played with some great point guards are uh, uh, great passes but I've never had it went like almost over the hoop to get to me for me to then shoot it into the hoop <laughs> that was a pretty good post game riff you had though on him and playing baseball and you little impersonation him that was rock solid had you been working on that on a on the team bus well, had you worn him out with that before? baseball thing is this whole baseball thing is we've actually got a I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about gambling. We actually, <laughs> we've got a bet that he he thinks he is this like the guy that just signed for what did he sign for yesterday? Three hundred and fifty million. Is he a pitcher? Oh, the Padres. Yeah, Fernando Tatis Shortstop. Jr. Shortstop. Yeah. Uh, well, whoever the best pitcher in the world that gets a lot of money, he thinks he's him. <laughs> and I've never played baseball in my life. I've played cricket, which is kind of similar. Um, to a certain extent, the batter stands there. You stand in a different position. The bat's a bit different, but someone throws the ball as fast as they can at you, and you've got to hit it. Um, and I played that growing up. And we, I don't know how it came up, but he constantly talks about how good he is at baseball or good he was at baseball. And uh, I was like, I would 100% be able to hit one of your, what do you call it, a pitch? One mm-hmm. of your Fastball. pitches. Yeah. A fastball, yeah. Uh, and he's like, no, you wouldn't, no, you wouldn't. I said, well, let's bet. Let's make, let's put some money on it. And the money, we said we would do it for a charity, which obviously mine would, you guys know where my money would go if I won. Um, yeah. Autism. So we've, it's, it, the, the the bet or whatever was he, he had 10 pitches and I had to connect on one of them. That was a, like, I just had to touch it on one of them. It had to stay in play, but it has to, whatever you call it, not a, a um, if it goes behind me or whatever. Yeah, yeah, not that, but I have to I have to basically hit. I don't even have to hit it, really. It just has to hit the bat and fall in front of me. <laughs> so we're going to do he this? Was, he was, yeah, we just haven't had time. And it, it started in, uh, I'm pretty sure it started in the bubble, or just after the bubble. So it's obviously been a long time coming, but we had COVID and we couldn't see each other. And we, he was in New York and whatever. So... Um, that that's kind of the whole baseball backstory. For I know it's a, a little bit of a long story about no, it, but that's how good. it kind of came about, and it was for a lot of money. And um, I just don't like. I'm not like you two. Like I've played sport my whole life. Like, I'm going to be able to. <laughs> I, I get. He he said he can throw it really fast or whatever. Like I get, I'll probably miss a lot of them, but I'm also not that uncoordinated that. I'm going to be able to read the like if he's throwing ten in a row. I'm going to be able to read when the ball's coming and when I should swing. And timing is. Really I literally have to just hit the ball in front of me one time, and I don't even have to hit it. It really just has to hit the bat. 
Well, let's get it out at the ballpark after you guys win the title in July, man. We can have this all set up. We will. We're definitely going to do it because we've shook on it, and it's a and everybody at the start was on Donovan's side. Like, there's no way you'll hit it. And then I was like explaining the facts of of like literally, I could I could watch the first three go by and then go like, all right, this is when I need to swing. This is when you know what I mean. Like after if he's throwing ten in a row, after the first few, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm played sport my whole life. I'm gonna be able to pick up the reaction time of when I need a swing. I'm not saying I'm going to smack him for a home run and run around the triangle thing with my shirt off. Bases, bases, bases. It's a diamond. It's not a triangle Whatever. thing. <laughs> run around the sand pit with my... Um, but I'm also like extremely confident, which is why we bet quite a large number. that. Um, oh, and then we thought we'd happen. just do it for charity. Uh, okay. We don't want to take each other's money, so whoever lost had to donate to the other person's charity of choice there might be some jazz fans who do a little side action to you know raise a little more money for autism yeah, i assume can, we'll donovan a, would do some kind we'll of education thing oh absolutely I'll yeah put a we 10 spot on that he blows 10 fastballs bright past See, eagles I, we got to know more about the rules pk because i that's, you probably have it too the, that's the that's the uh, i that's have it. to hit one time i have to connect with the ball on the bat one time but can he in throw you? Of, like, it has but, to be in but can he throw you curveballs and changeups and whatever sliders, he whatever he's got? Because he, he said he was going to throw like a fast, like his, yeah, his pitch or whatever it was, which okay. was just a fastball. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The that will make it easier. Ten, the other thing with throwing ten straight is by like six, seven, eight, nine, he's going to get tired. He doesn't play baseball for a living. Like <laughs> neither do you. <laughs> but he's. I'm just standing there with a. <laughs> hey! Hey! <laughs> Hey! hey. I, it makes oh. me mad because he, he thinks I can't can't do it. Um, I'm just standing there with a bat. Like all I have to do is connect one. Bar. Oh my gosh, that was awesome! Go on, Jake. Jake oh, he did. Jake hit the dumb button. Jake was enjoying the conversation so much he was going to watch that fastball sail right by him. I had to signal dump button. That's the magic word. That's why we have a dump button. Oh my gosh! All right, I'm already, I'm already getting texts from people. Okay, I'm already getting rules. I'm getting texts from people who say there's zero chance this money's going to charity. So it's going to charity regardless. It's okay, whose charity? All right. I just, there's no so even if that's what everyone in the locker room was saying at the start. No way, no way, no way. But then, like, if you actually sit down and like think about it. There's no way. And obviously I'm going to go and like hit a couple balls before I go. I'm not just going to roll in there never facing a pitch in my life and just go on. And he's going to go and practice. He's going to roll in there. and So it has to be 10. Yeah, you'll take some 10, what's, what's called BP. Batting practice. Yeah. So, yeah. There's batting cages. You can, gonna, you can, for a couple of bucks, you can, yeah, you can hit a lot of. Oh, you can go under the stands at the ballpark. Yep. Where the, where the, oh, yeah, uh, they'll hook him up. You're right. Yeah. I've thrown yeah, him there. Get, I'm going to get our best player's cricket bat and go and hit the ball. There it is. But that was the only rules. I had <laughs> okay. to get one, one ball in, in front of me, like connect. It has to be a live ball or whatever. And A fair ball. A fair ball. One out of ten. That's it. One. One out of ten. Like, I'm not that bad. I know I, I, know I can't run and jump and all that, but I can stand there and hit a ball. <laughs> Got to see this. All right. Well, 
We love having you on, Joe, because we never know where the conversation is going, and I had no idea it was going here, but this has been awesome. I'm glad you woke up. Good luck think, with the game in L.A. Do, do it? You what? Do you think I could hit it or not? Yeah, I think, I think you probably can. Not knowing how many pitches he can throw and whether he can start feeding you curveballs and all that, that would drop your odds. Um, oh, just gas. He's throwing gas. Yeah, he's just throwing gas. Straight I gas. think I think you're right. I think you'll be able to time a pitch and and be able to dribble one, you know, back towards the mound. Even if it, I even don't. If I think I, Mitchell blows even if it away. hits the bat and then hits <laughs> my toe, it doesn't matter. It's still. <laughs> oh man! All right, going to blow up now. Excuse my language, uh, <laughs> young friends out there too. I got a bit excited about this. Have a great bleeping day, Joe. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, guys. Joe Bleepin' Ingles has joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Bleepin' Zone. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines on the way. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Yeah, it was good to get a, another win, and yeah, the hard part is, I think we've done this twice this year, the hard part is, is honestly playing the same team again. It's hard to beat an NBA team once, let alone twice in a row, so I'm assuming, we're assuming they'll get someone back or a couple of their guys back, so yeah, we'll be ready for, it'll be a bit of a different game probably, but yeah, we obviously have the same same kind of mindset of just whoever's kind of out there, do what we do and hopefully get another win. There's Joe Ingles talking about the Jazz and the Clippers tonight, playing for the second time in three days. The Jazz uh, had to do this with New Orleans and with Dallas, and both times they were able to sweep it. So will they be able to sweep the Clippers? PK, do your L.A. sources you've told us about believe that Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or Nick Batum will be back? They've all been listed as questionable. My guess is George is the one most likely to miss. I don't know about the other two. What do you think? Yeah, don't don't forget uh, Luke Kennard, too. I think he's a valuable member of their bench. And he's a decent shooter, and he was a late scratch the other night. So, I mean, he's not as uh, high profile as the other two, but I think he's right there with uh, the other guy. Batum there as far as being able to be productive. So we'll see about who is out there. And I've been told that uh, George is going to be out for a while. So maybe they'll get the other guys back. I don't know. But it, the thing that uh, with the Jazz, I think Joe, in an, a very understated way, sums up where they're at. You know, do what we do because they have such continuity and such flow, which is indicative of having won so many games, of course that it really boils down to what they do as opposed to the opposition. And as long as they do what they do, which obviously they've been doing, (laughs) they're going to win a whole bunch more games to come. And it's really something that they're at an elite level now that they really just have to do what they do. And it doesn't matter as much. Now, obviously, the stars for the Clippers, if they're not there, makes it easier. I understand that. And maybe if you relate it to, what's it, Wednesday night, you know, maybe set it down five or so. Maybe they're down 10 or 12 or whatnot. So it ends up being a little more difficult. But if the Jazz do what they do, they're going to be fine. So the question is, can they continue to do what they do? Can they keep their edge? Can they keep their focus? Because it's uh, just kind of a really human kind of thing to do to, after a while, get bored, lose your edge. I think we see this all across sports. It's hard to 
to bring it at a high level game after game after game and focus on all those details. The details well, are where it's at. See, that was the thing with those two guys being out and, and Kennard and Batum also for the Clippers is the Jazz didn't bring it at a high level for the whole game, mm-hmm. but they were still e- able to win and win easily. Yeah. Uh, Mike Conley also questionable. So over the course of today, these two teams will update us and social media will have it. We'll have it here on The Zone as we find out about all these players and who's going and who's sitting. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Brooklyn Nets beat the Lakers 109-98. to Nets were up by 20 late in the third quarter. James Harden, 23 points, 11 assists. Uh, LeBron went for 32, but nobody went with him, PK. It was, well, a couple other guys were in double figures, but it no Anthony Davis, and he's going to be out for at least four weeks with a, what they're describing as a strained calf. Calf blends into the Achilles, so really what's going on? But three guys in double figures. LeBron's going to need more than... Uh, Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzma in double figures. You need a little more firepower. He goes for 32, 8, and 7, but it's not nearly enough. Yeah, offensively, they don't overwhelm you with a number of guys. So that's always going to be an issue for them. You know, who's there to help? And then without Anthony Davis, obviously, it's going to be that much more difficult. But if you step back and tell me that if I'm a Laker person, that he's going to be back in a month, knowing that uh, part of that time you're off a fair amount. What are they, off a week or whatever it is? Uh, next, yeah, with the All-Star. Early next yeah. Month. yeah, that's a pretty good deal. If I'm the Lakers, I'm okay with that. I'm still trying to address other issues on my team. Uh, LeBron's all that, and he has been all that, but they still have other issues on that team, which is why I think they might make a move or two coming up next month. Wouldn't be surprising. Need a little more firepower there, a little more depth. LeBron James, by the way, did pass 35,000 career points with his 32 in the defeat. So another milestone from LeBron as he just keeps uh, Is that a big milestone? Him off. I, uh, I have big, no idea. It's a big round number, and it's it's elite. I think he's fifth or sixth in NBA history. And the way he's going, he's, I mean, he's got to – we keep saying that at some point he's got to slow down. But he's climbing up the career scoring list here. It's, yeah, I just uh, I, that that's nice and all, but I don't really don't think care. In basketball that matters. Nobody ever says, "Wow, Jordan is number two, number three. I have no idea what. Where is Jordan? I couldn't tell you. Jordan's fifth. LeBron's third now. Oh. That shows you how close that attention I've been paying. He's third. Yeah. Carl's Carl's second, and he needs uh, less than two thousand points to catch Carl. I think all time numbers really. It's just baseball. Is it even baseball after the home yeah. run title and Barry Bonds? Do people shrug at that? Or it's still uh, the milestones, the 3,000 strikeouts, the 3,000 hits, those resumes. Well, you just went to one one number. Yeah. I mean, there's several categories. Mm-hmm. Pete Rose is the all-time hits leader, and nobody shrugs at that. No, they don't. You're right. Uh, other NBA stuff. The Heat beat the Kings 118-110, and the Raptors gave the Milwaukee Bucks their fifth straight loss. The Bucks reeling here after a 110-96 loss. So, I what? just don't think they're that good. I mean, they didn't look good. Tampa really owned them pretty much the whole game. Tampa, well done. Uh, Bucks have dropped to third now. Brooklyn is now second, and Brooklyn's only a game behind Philly, so... Look out, the Nets, baby. Uh, and I would say look out. I think that's an excellent point because they get their guys. They they have the opportunity to put something together here. 
It looks to me like if they can get their guys together, I mean, they've only played six games, complete games. I think uh, Durant had one other game where he had the, he didn't get the start, then he played, then he had to leave. Uh, so where they've only played the entire games, basically, in their regular rotations, so six times, and they're 5-1. They're and one. And if they settle into, all right, you do this, I do that, they can be tough. And it is formally, we were discussing yesterday that the NBA not formally announced the All-Star game, even though everyone seemed to think it was happening March 7th. Well, yesterday after the show, Adam Silver said that it will happen because it is the right thing to do. LeBron will captain the West, Kevin Durant will captain the East, and they'll draft their teams from the remaining 22 All-Stars on March 4th. Okay, so you can draft, can LeBron draft an East guy or just West guys? No, I think then there shouldn't be an East and a West. I know. I'm with you on that. It's just name. There should just be how many? If you want twelve, thirteen guys, whatever, whatever number you set per team, then obviously you double that. But why in the world would you have an East and a West if they, if they, if Durant, who is from the Eastern Conference, if he can draft a Western Conference guy, then there is no East and West. So just have the best guys. Just get it over with and get back to the NBA League play. Honestly, I wouldn't have minded if they'd skip the All-Star break and use that it's week to play more It's not about the game. Games. It's about uh, being an All-Star. I think that's a significant designation. I'm not talking about a game. I'm talking about a designation, and there's contract, the financial yep, bonuses. incentives and all that stuff. So I would. I have no problem with this as far as I'm intrigued who makes the All-Star team. The game's the game, so I don't blow that off, but... The actual all-star list, I think it's, it was a big deal. If you have an all-star, particularly if you haven't had an all-star for a number of years, that is something noteworthy. Well, then do away with the designation, East versus West. Just give me how many guys they have on the team, 12, so it's 24. Yeah. Give me the 24 guys, and away we go. Whether you play the game or not, I don't really care. Yeah. But I like to know who made the all-star team, and or teams in this case. Why have a a qualification where it has to be X number of guys from each conference. Well, there'll be a 25th guy this year because Anthony Davis will be an all-star and we know he's out. I won't be surprised if there's a 26th to replace Paul George. So, see how this plays out. March 7th, not that far away now. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. BYU, an easy 80-52 to 52 win in Stockton. They beat the Pacific Tigers. Caleb Lohner leads the way with 19 points. He had nine rebounds. He was hitting the three-ball PK. It was going in. Oh, yeah, he looked like a first-team all-whacker, didn't he? Ah, thank you, Riley. <laughs> he looked really good, and we've seen him progress along his freshman season. So obviously, he's got a world of athletic talent. I mean, he's got the height, sizes. For a freshman, he's got a nice body. It's not like, I mean, everybody can get stronger and all, but it's not like he's like Van Horn when he was a freshman. He was a rail. You know, he was a pencil-thin geek, and then you know, he gained they gained something like 50 pounds by the time he was a senior. Well, Loner doesn't really have to do that. Not saying that Loner is going to be Van Horn by any stretch. I'm just saying that this kid looks like he's got the measurables and he's got some talent to go with it and it's going to be fun to watch him develop uh, over the next few years hopefully for that case I mean the Lone Peak guys and Mika was gone after two years and it never really worked out so you don't know but if he stays for all four years at BYU he's going to be a fine fine player by the time he's done. Trevin Nell sophomore from Woods Cross had 15 points that's a high for him 
And he was four of six from three. So those two guys were lighting up the three-point line. Yeah, it was funny watching that game, man, because Aiden must have had nobody in the crowd because, I mean, literally no one. I mean, every time they made a bucket and made a three, <laughs> all you could hear was the BYU guys cheering away. You could practically hear their comments on television. At least I could. It seemed like they were exceptionally loud, but when you think there's nobody in there, that's going to make them louder. And they had it going on. I mean, that was a team that they needed overtime to beat at the Marriott Center and then just blow them off the court up there in uh, Stockton. BYU plays again tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock, at Loyola Marymount on the CBS Sports Network. And then they uh, reworked the end of the season, so BYU's going to have a couple of couple of home games next week, including St. Mary's on Saturday. Sounds like a good matchup. Uh, St. Mary's got worked by Gonzaga and is 2-5 and five in the West Coast Conference, so... Yeah, if you're going to watch Gonzaga and you want any form of competition, you better get there early. <laughs> right. Is Gosh, man, I was flicking you over to that thing, and just what a joke, man. It was over. Utes, 20 turnovers. It was a bad game. They did not look good. They had about a four-minute stretch at the start of the second half where they went on a run and wiped out a yeah. six-point half-point, halftime deficit, took the lead. Uh, it was a 15 to, what would have been 15 to 8 run. And then they immediately gave up a 17 0 run and got themselves blown out with some horrible looking turnovers. So 74 56, the final. Listening to Larry uh, on the post game, he's talking about uh, when they did execute, which he acknowledged was not for a long stretch of time. They looked pretty good. But when they got out of that and had those turnovers, then they just looked awful. And he felt like a lot of it was self-induced. Now, maybe they couldn't have won that game either way, but they certainly could have been more competitive. I agree with him in what he was saying, that so much of it was self-induced. Absolutely. And, they, and, they, and they're down a couple of guys, and so they just didn't look good at all. They're just, they need to regroup and, and uh, see about next season. They play Oregon in Eugene tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. Uh, Utah State back in action. They're trying to split with Boise State. Lost to the Broncos. Broncos took over the top spot in the league with a win on Wednesday. They're playing tonight at 8 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Scotty G will have the play-by-play on 1280 The Zone. Pre-game at 7.30. Game tips off at 8. David Locke will have the Jazz over on 97.5 The Zone while Scotty's on 1280. Big game. Big game for the Aggies. they got to get a bounce back. Yep. Big Sky... Your uh, NAU Lumberjacks got destroyed in, in Ogden. Weber State wins 92-59. And Southern Utah beats Sac State 88-69 as they continue to battle for those top four spots in the Big Sky Tournament. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. While your Lumberjacks were losing in basketball, your Arizona State Sun Devils were acquiring a Ute. In free agency, as your head coach likes to say. Brian Thompson, leaving the Utes. He is going to Arizona State. He's got two years of eligibility. Started 12 games in his four years with the Utes. <laughs> that's, that's so weird. He's had four years, but he's got two more. But you get a red shirt. Yeah, and there you go. Yeah, and then they let you, yeah, you get all that stuff going on. And then they created that rule, too, where you could uh, play four games and still get the year back. That's like a three-year-old rule, I think. Uh, It's an interesting situation here, and I know some Utes are upset. You know, you go to a conference opponent, but I didn't see them winding up a storm when Darren Carrington wanted to come uh, from uh, Oregon, and it's the same type of deal. Now, Thompson's uh, situation, I found it somewhat interesting because he's going to a school 
excuse me, I got a cough. <coughs> that is He's, basically the same as ASU. They run the ball. <laughs> they don't throw it that much. But they have had high-profile receivers be first-round picks under the theory that if you run the ball a lot, there's you still got to throw it 25 times a game, and somebody's got to get Correct. those catches. And Correct. if you're big time, it's man-to-man coverage. Show what you got. And Nikhil Harry did. Uh, yeah, and Ayuk did. And they got a kid, uh, Darby, here mm-hmm. this season who's expected. He, he actually ended up getting hurt in the first game and then didn't play. They only played four games. Uh, even one game less than Utah. And so he didn't come back. Well, he's going to go to the NFL, and he's got an opportunity to play. Uh, although I think two of the three were not recruited by uh, Herm. They were recruited by Graham. Uh, but you know, I, I can argue that uh, you could do that at Utah, too. But he decided to go, and I don't criticize him. I mean, these are college kids. One guy asked me about this. Oh, yeah, this is going to heat up the rivalry. I said, yeah, personally, I'm not into that. I mean, what do you expect me to do? If, they, if Utah's playing ASU, you expect me to root for Britain Covey to drop a pass or something? I'm too old for that. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it's a football game. I have fun with it. I don't really go beyond that. But, no, I don't I don't get into that, that he went from one to the other as far as and everybody knows I went to ASU and all that stuff. But that, I wish the kid success no matter, if he went to the U of A doesn't matter. Weaver State announced a two-year contract extension for Jay Hill, so he's now signed through the 2025 season. Want to place odds on him coaching the team in 2025? 2025, so what do we, we, we're just in, we have, well, their season, they're going to have a 2021 season. So how's that going to be? They're going to have two seasons in 2021? This is their 2020 season, technically, this spring, and then the fall will be 2021. Okay, so... That uh, I mean, I can't even put odds on that he was going to coach this season. No, <laughs> for for that matter, yep. because you know who knows? Because with that domino effect, it looks like it's settled and things are calm. But to, to me, he remains a hot candidate. This does nothing if I'm a Weber State person in terms of ensuring that he's going to be coaching at uh, Weber State in 2025. Uh, the right opportunity has to be there. I mean, we all love the guy. We've known him for years, and we look at the work that he's done with Weber, and we just say, "Wow, it's excellent." This is it's it, excellent. It really is. It's There's not no other it's, way to say. Yeah, it. he's he's blown past good and very good. He's in excellent territory. It's not easy to do what he does to win at that level at the Big Sky. I mean, the uh, they're in the Big Sky at their level. Uh, there's a lot of competition out there. Uh, three straight shared league titles. And then in the playoffs, it's been quarterfinals, quarterfinals, semifinals. That's a really good run for a school that, if you go back and look it up, I think only has two or three, at least two, maybe three other playoff appearances. And he's gone quarter, quarter, semis. Yeah. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Completely overachieving the, uh, the school's football history. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Philadelphia Eagles agreeing to trade Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick this year, a conditional 2022 pick, uh, whether that's first or second round or whatever. It depends how much Wentz plays. If he gets to 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps, then then it can be a first-round pick. The Colts had a great quarterback history, PK. Obviously, they had Manning, and then they moved him because they thought they had the next great quarterback. His career got cut short. 
and now they're into kind of the rent the vet stage here as they bring in Philip Rivers and now they bring in Carson Wentz. Yeah, but Wentz is much younger than Philip Rivers was. Absolutely. So uh, I think it's worth a shot. You got to have somebody. And there were times there when Wentz looked pretty good. And he's, that's the point, is he's young enough that it's not an outrageous resurrection if he should do it. So, Kurt Warner, baby. Is that the best comparison? Because uh, Warner man, had the Super Bowl at the Rams. He went to the Giants, was completely ineffective. He went to the Cardinals. For some people, it was probably an afterthought. Not for you, because you got family in Arizona. You hear more about it. But Arizona, man, they, they get into the postseason, get hot, and he's back in the Super Bowl. Right, but I don't think that he was brought in to be a starter. I think he was brought in to be a backup. I mean, they thought Leinert was the guy, whereas Wentz, I think, is being brought in to be the starter. I think it's a different situation there. More expectations. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, obviously, Kurt Warner exceeded. Hmm. He took a crappy franchise literally for 30 years, basically, and won, I think, four playoff games, if I remember correctly. And that was very, very impressive for a franchise that had done not a whole lot. So Wentz has got this opportunity here. And, you know, reading up on it yesterday, then it compares to, okay, what uh, we have a level of what's been established here as far as trading with the picks. What does that mean for Deshaun Watson? And then I saw that Sam Darnold, I saw somebody put out there that the Jets are intent on moving him, which to me, pretty much guarantees Zach Wilson to the Jets. That does seem to be how that adds up. And yesterday, uh, while we were talking to Joe, ESPN was running a thing about who will be the Jets starting quarterback next year. Obviously, I couldn't hear it, but it was a lot of video of BYU football. Yeah. And Zach Wilson was throwing the ball all over the place. So it's obvious they were talking about not just drafting him, but plugging him in as a starter day one. Well, I think that's the way it works now, unless you have an established quarterback that the rookie does play. Maybe not necessarily the first game, but he's on the field as a rookie like getting Tua. a fair amount yeah. of PT. Or oh, I was thinking of Justin Herbert, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Tua, Tua got the fifth, sixth start, and Herbert, I don't know how that would have worked out if not for the shot. I mean, obviously he got out there right away because Tyrod Taylor and the doctor, but... All right, the... Uh... The NFL also says it's testing the first position-specific helmet for linemen. It needs further testing. The players' union needs to authorize it. The helmet is uh, supposed to provide additional support in the front where most head impacts take place for players in the trenches. So, can you design a helmet that makes it safe for 300-pound guys to crash into each other? That is that is the, the goal for science. Whether they can do it or not remains to be seen. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Well, we were talking yesterday about the Padres and all the money they're spending, and you were saying, yeah, and, and everybody's got them listed as the second best team in baseball behind a team in their own division, the Dodgers, and the Dodgers' season win total is set by the Caesars Sportsbook and William Hill at 104.5. Tying the 1999 Yankees for the highest win total in a sports book in the last 32 years. So you bet the over-under on their win total. And to take that over for the Dodgers, you got to pick them to win 105 games. That is a massive total, PK. Who's Bill Hill? William Hill. I think it's, uh, well, it's now a global sports book. I think it originally was in England. But with the web, everything's, everything's intergalactic it's a now. Global 
internet betting company essentially anymore. Yeah, and that's a high total, obviously, but I would never bet a penny because if they're at 103 and they got a couple of ball games yep. left and Take they've already clinched the everything, what difference does it make? You know, no one cares. You're not going to get anything. And at that point in the season, you're usually you're usually worried about aligning your pitching rotation. So that would make me very squeamish if they got to 103 or 104 and then they shut down their their, their guys. Right. <laughs> Running a bunch of AAA guys out there and just finishing up the season with the 40-man roster. Yeah, I think they they don't have 40-man roster. I don't think they bring up that many guys anymore in September. I think they, they have a rule against that. But uh, still... They're expected to do very well, as they've done for a number of years. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He joins us once again. Andrew, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing today? We are doing all right. After after the Wednesday snow commute, every every commute's easy after that. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're good. We're arriving with a, a lot less stress. All right, Andrew, you've got the uh, you got the uh, the treatment for ED Wasatch Medical Clinic. You've been on the air explaining this to guys, and uh, and lately you've been telling us that there's more studies coming out, and Cambridge University is looking into this. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I think four or five years ago. We were kind of the only ones saying, hey, there's a treatment for ED that could work, guys. It's different. And now the studies are agreeing with us. Cambridge University just came out with a study. They tested hundreds of men with erectile dysfunction. They used our technology, the acoustic wave therapy. Um, Basically, I mean, there's a lot of data, but basically at the end of it, they said it's safe, it's effective. In fact, every single man that they tested experienced an increase in blood flow and bigger blood vessels. So this is pretty cool. If you're out there struggling with erectile dysfunction, if you're sick of the pill or don't want to take the pill, we can improve your blood flow with just a few treatments. We use the most advanced form of technology. So I kind of think this is a breakthrough and a great thing for guys struggling in the bedroom. And why do men want to stop taking the pill? Because that has been the other option for quite some time, and we always see the ads on games. Everybody's seen them. Yep. It's mostly because of the side effects, the headaches, the blurred vision. Also, the lack of spontaneity, which I think we don't talk about enough. Um, The pre-planning that goes into that, uh, the spouses don't understand how much of a stress that is. So getting away from that whole disaster is a breath of fresh air for guys. All right, guys, you got a special offer if you want to take advantage of it. Explain, Andrew. Yes, we do. We believe in delivering a lot of value. Uh, If you're struggling with ED and want to take the first step in being screened by our medical doctor, we're going to do that free. And we're also going to throw in this little gift. It's actually gotten better. It produces instant results in the bedroom. New patients right now even get free testosterone if you're feeling a little lethargic. So, a lot of value this morning. Give us a call here at Wasatch Medical Clinic now, and it's all free. Okay, guys, you can put a stop to your ED. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim the offer at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
Sam Amick, I still see national pundits compare the Jazz to the Hawks of a few years ago that were so good but ended up flaming out. Is this a case where the Jazz really can't win those people over to their side? Because 20 of 21, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Donovan Starr does continue to get brighter, but it's not as bright as a James Harden or a LeBron. If you ask the casuals why Utah is winning every night, they say, tell me what LeBron's doing. But they're earning respect on a nightly basis. They're winning even when they don't play all that well, which is a sign of a really good team. They're winning when they got guys out of the lineup. They seem to also keep their perspective on the big picture and know you don't win a championship a couple months into the regular season. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Jerry Signer Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. All right, PK, we've got, uh, as usual, we have multiple questions uh, to debate. But Charles Barkley, (laughs) man, he thinks Jordan Clarkson should be on the all-star team ahead of Anthony Davis. How about that? Is he just, is this just TNT sucking up to the Jazz? Is there some kind of collective guilt over the Donovan Mitchell thing now? Because this take is, or is this just, uh, just Barkley being a free thinker? I think it's Barkley thinking on his own, whatever you want to call it, it's up to you. And, you know, listening to it, uh, he feel, and he didn't back down. And the more you pushed him, and they were pushing him on it, he was standing his ground. And, uh, you know, it's it, we're talking about sports, so it's not like, it, you know, it's not a, a big uh, controversial topic here. It's just fun stuff that, that people, that's why they tune into it, because they view it as a diversion. It's fun. It's entertainment. So put it in its perspective for sure. But he was sticking to what he was saying. And I thought it was cool, uh, you know, because uh, we as a community think that this ball club doesn't get the respect that it deserves and all this, and we're always a backwater place and blah, blah, blah. And, okay, what does that mean? Well, eh, you know, I think it means something in terms of respect and do you get the respect out on the floor from the officials' calls because we know there's such a thing as star treatment. And if you're able to get more publicity around your program and all that stuff, you know, maybe it could help out on the floor. And Jazz, uh, Jordan Clarkson being recognized as by one former All-Star himself as a potential All-Star, I think that's pretty cool. Brian says, Chuck is the most interesting person on the panel, and he's right about Clarkson, who is shredding the league. Shredding the league. Shredding the league. Uh, Clarkson straight up money, David says. There have been some legendary heat-up guys in the league, and Jordan Clarkson is one of them. Vinny Johnson, Andrew Toney, and others were just pure scores. Andrew Tony, man, I haven't thought of that name in a yeah. long time. He was not a bench player, if I remember, though. Was that he? was not how I remembered him, but that's I far enough I back. I'm, yeah, I know. I, I would think someone more recent, you know, you know, Lou Williams. You know, there's there's a heat up guy. He can get it going and look out. Lou Williams, uh, sure, yeah, and he moves in the starting lineup sometimes. Does yeah. Uh, been around Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford's another excellent example. 
been Jazz have been there. on the wrong end of both those guys' explosions. I was going to say, Jamal Crawford has done it regularly against the Jazz in particular. Yeah, yeah but not just the Jazz. I know, he does a lot of people, but the Jazz, when they play him, it seems like he's always had some yeah. legendary I mean, It's funny, you know, the other night against the Clippers, he's 18, but he was 7 of 23. That sucks. That's a very low percentage, <laughs> and that's a huge number of shots. <laughs> yes, when you're playing... Uh, in the, let's see, he played, well, he played 33 minutes, which is one of the higher number of minutes, I think, probably, that he's played. And when he had 40, I think he was only like in the 26-minute range. So, uh, man, he has the ultimate green light. I put out a couple weeks back, uh, man, it seems like uh, he has all the moves. I think I put out a name me a movie he doesn't have, and several people responded with pass. hey Yeah. So is but I don't think it's a situation where it's for better or worse. Meaning, you know, like youth basketball. What are you going to get tonight, guys? There, there are times you looked really good this season, and times you looked awful. And last night, one of those times you looked awful. I don't think it's to that point. It's not like, wow, what are we going to get out of this man tonight? Because I think the level that he's established is we're going to get a fair amount of points. Now, are we going to get a whole bunch? Because obviously in shooting, some nights are shooting. you're shooting better than others. It's the nature of shooting. I think it'll always be that way for a player like him and for most players for that matter. You know, not to go bare because he's taken most of his shots within two feet, if not right on top of the rim. So his shooting is going to be fairly consistent. It's just going to be a question of FGAs that is going to vary from game to game. Well, with Jordan... FGAs usually isn't going to vary. Usually there's going to be a fair amount of FGAs. It's uh, just a question of how many uh, FGMs are there in terms of field goals made because he's going to get his shots. And that's what uh, Quinn Snyder has authorized, basically. He has, Clarkson has Quinn Snyder's permission to jack it up. <laughs> there's just, obviously, he's got it. So if you got your coach saying that, you're good to go. I remember one time we had Pace in. I always enjoyed talking to him about basketball because I thought he understood the game really well. And he was talking about Hayward. And the three of us were in there, and we were we were actually taping a segment. He showed up to do a commercial, and we said, get in here. And uh, we brought him into the other studio down the hall, and he made a comment about Hayward. He said, he's talking about the elbow shot. He said, if you've got that shot, you must take it every time. And then before I could say, yeah, but he had just answered his own question. He said, if the coach doesn't like it, that's up to him. And then he'll tell you and he'll take you out. But you as the player, that's your shot and you have to take it. Well, you translate to Jordan Clarkson. Now, I'm not in the locker room or behind the scenes, but I don't know that Quinn Snyder has ever said, Hey, don't take that shot. So he has full authority <laughs> to do what he thinks is right by the coach. And that has got to be very empowering. And it's got to be hard maybe for Quinn Snyder to basically give that player that permission because you're going to get a 7 for 23 night. Now, the game before, was it Was it the game before? Was it was Philly that he 40 went for 40? And he went, yeah, it's the very went, game before. He was 13 of 20 in that game. Yeah. So over the two games, he's 20 of 43, which is basically who he is. I mean, he's shooting 45% from the floor, and he's shooting 38% from three. And so 
He's got the green green light. The green light is based on situations. I asked Quinn about this in one of the Zoom availabilities early this year, and the the shot that Jordan gets told not to take is when he dribbles and changes directions the third time. Quinn answered the question, and he gave a typical thorough, you know, I don't know what it was, 90-second, two-minute answer, whatever. And at the end he said, and most of it was positive about what he want, the shots he wants Jordan to take. At the end he said, but when he changes direction the third time, the whole defense collapses. By then it's time to have given it up. You know, it was like, it was like all this positive, and then there was five seconds of, and don't do this at the end. So I don't think, if it's a catch-and-shoot three and he's open and he misses it, I don't think Quinn says boo. Now, if he puts it on the ground and he changes direction once, fine, or second time, but you know, by the time you go the third time, the help has found you and is you know, blocking or changing that shot. And I think that's probably the only time Jordan hears no. I think the rest of the time the light is green. You know, that, and in Quinn's tone, he was pretty serious, and there's a, little, there's a little grinding of teeth going on. So he's probably told him that more than once. But that was kind of Jordan's default way of playing when he got here, and he has definitely trended into catch-and-shoot mode. He's shooting way more three-pointers than he used to. That number, he was uh, four, maybe four three-pointers a game uh, before he got here, and that, that's four, five, six, eight, just boom. And he's, he's shooting eight a game now. That's a lot, yeah, for an individual, especially coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's got to be so empowering uh, to know that you've got your support, uh, the support of the coach right there. And that to me, that's the essence of coaching right there, is putting guys in the position to get the maximum success. That's It's up to them to get the success. They've got to go do it. But the coach particularly at the pro level, has got to put the player and players in position to succeed. And this this season, Quinn Snyder's got the Jerry Sloan method. I mean, Jerry did it, and obviously I refer back to him in a lot of different ways and watching him coach all those years and then getting to know him a little bit on a personal level after he was done coaching. I'm not, I can't say enough. Uh, but And I've always believed that, even before I got to know Jerry, that the essence of the coach is to put the player in the position to succeed, and then it's up to the player to go ahead and do it. And you look at what Quinn Snyder has done this season. You know, He's put guys in position to succeed and to be better probably than we thought they were going to be. So you're squeezing out whatever talent they've got, and they've all got talent or they wouldn't be in the league, obviously. He's doing that, and Clarkson is right there, and there's several guys that I could list, but Clarkson is right there. And it's got to be where you're playing free and you're not questioning because that was Pace's mindset when he was talking about Gordon Hayward. You can't be tentative. You've got to be assertive. You've got to be able to have confidence to do what you can do so you don't question yourself. That was his whole point. And Hayward was kind of in the position of blossoming a little bit. He hadn't blossomed to the level. I think when we were having that conversation with Pace, he was saying that pre-All-Star Hayward. And we saw him get better and better. And a lot of it was just have that confidence to go about and know that what you're doing out there is the right thing. And, you know, these shots don't always fall. You can do the right thing many times in basketball, but the shot doesn't go in. It's just the nature of the shooting to an extent. But everything that leads into it, I think that was what Pace's point was at that time. And then you see Clarkson because it doesn't look like he lacks for confidence at all. 
and it looks like, man, he is very assertive, and he's got a plan when he gets that ball, and that's obviously to put that ball in that basket, and that can be accomplished in any number of ways with him because he's got so many different moves that he can utilize. All right, DJ and PK, we got more of your reaction coming up. Charles Barkley thinking Jordan Clarkson should be an all-star over Anthony Davis. Now it doesn't appear AD is going to play in the game, so I guess they can pick him and then replace him with somebody. So that discussion kind of changes when you take the injury into, into effect. But uh, Charles Barkley, all in on Jordan Clarkson. More of your reaction coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. David Locke will be here in about 20 minutes. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Question of the day, Charles Barkley throwing everyone a curveball on TNT saying Jordan Clarkson should be an all-star, on the All-Star team ahead of Anthony Davis. PK, was that the biggest curveball you heard all day long? Or was it Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles and Joe coming on our show and saying he and Donovan had a, had a bet about Donovan throwing 10 pitches? Joe gets 10 hacks, 10 swings. Can he just put one ball in play in fair territory? That was the big issue yesterday, and we know Donovan Mitchell's had a background in baseball. I was thinking about this, though, yesterday. Uh, I think Joe was underestimating the level of difficulty. Now, I need to know for Mitchell. I don't know. I know he played the game, and his father has the background in professional ball with the Mets. We all know that. But I don't know what did Mitchell do. Was he a center fielder? Was he a shortstop? Did he play second base? I don't know. If you're telling me he was a pitcher – and he played it at a high level, and he played travel ball as a pitcher, I think Joe might be in trouble. But if he just knows that he played ball, and, oh, give me that ball, I could throw it by you. Uh, and either way, he hasn't probably done it in, what, five or six years. He's 24, so I'm assuming, I don't know, did he play baseball as a senior in high school and then just concentrate on basketball, or were one of these guys saying basketball's my thing, and he gave it up as a sophomore. So I'm not sure. I would have to get information. But if if Donovan Mitchell was a decent travel ball pitcher, ooh, I think Joe might have some issues there. He was a pitcher in high school. He did pitch. And it, did he play the whole time, or did he give it up knowing that basketball's my future? Some of the, Sometimes those guys do that. He hung it up, I believe, as a junior, if I recall correctly. I'll have to double-check that. Yeah, yeah I, but I, the, I the point is, if he can change speeds, and if there's movement on the ball, Joe's odds of success yeah, go, go way, way down. down. And I wasn't even clear, because Joe doesn't really speak baseball lingo. Split and then Mitchell was on social media. Yeah, Mitchell was on social media saying, well, we didn't agree on some of this stuff exactly. So, yeah, the bottom starts dropping out of those pitches. How is Joe supposed to hit him? Well, yeah, I think you have to have uh, – you've got to get the lawyers have got to come to the table <laughs> and have some form of negotiation. Absolutely. Get your lawyers, guys. 
because it's uh, Joe kept saying ten pitches. I I would I would not author ten pitches. I would say ten swings. So, I mean, there would be no way that I would get in there and just give the man ten pitches to do whatever he wants. Uh, because Mitchell, if he was a pitcher, then he knows. Okay, I watch him take a swing, see where his sweet spot is, and then don't throw it there. <laughs> so he could uh, manipulate that thing there. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's as easy as Joe thinks. I don't care that he play. They call it sport, and he'll always say, "I played sport." We say sports, but he'll say, "I played sport." Great. Joe, I don't care what sport you played because hitting a baseball from an accomplished pitcher is the hardest thing that we have to do in sports. It's the only sport where you could be a failure so many times, far more than achievable in terms of success, and be considered in a success. So you can be just, we know, 300, which means three out of seven, is the level of success. It's a Hall of Fame success. So... And I know people want to crack on baseball, but I think it's the hardest thing to do when you stand in that box and that guy's 60 feet away and you don't know what's coming. And he's accomplished. And so he can spot it, he can rotate it, and he can gas it. Now, throwing 75, that's not, that's not gas. 75, I, I think if, if Donovan threw 75-80 right down the middle, yes, I think Joe can hit it. All right, I think PK. he can make contact. Do you know what ended Donovan Mitchell's baseball career? Tommy John surgery. No, not Tommy John. Uh, he realized he I'm really good at this other Yeah, sport. he scored 50 <laughs> in a basketball game, and that ended his baseball career. He had an AAU uh, season ended early due to a collision with a catcher as a sophomore in high school that suffered a broken wrist and a broken jaw. That ended his baseball career as a sophomore. So he tried to run him over, or what was he doing? Uh, it says a collision with a catcher. So I'm assuming he apparently tried to probably run him over. But suffered a broken jaw and a broken wrist, ended his AAU season, and after that it was all hoops. Okay, so he played two years then. Correct, two years. Uh, well, he obviously made the right choice, and I don't know if that injury where he said, oh, forget that, or it forced him to, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. This is the first I'm hearing about any of this, so I don't know any of this information. But if Mitchell knows his way around the mound – and can do a lot of different things with the ball. I'm not sure that I, I – but you're going a very low level. All he's got to do is just put one in a fair play. Oh, and part of my negotiation was you can't bunt it. That has come that, up multiple times here. People are saying uh, Joe's got hand-eye coordination, and all he's got to do is bunt. Justin, if Joe puts a bunt in one, bunts one in play, then he wins, that's pretty easy. No. Um that's not fair. <laughs> Joe's crafty. He'll bunt. Otherwise, Donovan wins, Jason says. No, I want a real hack. Yep. At least hit a grounder to sing it. I'm assuming that's in the rules that you actually have to swing at it. It's yeah, a little it's negotiated. It's got to be an official <laughs> swing. Uh, and then we got this one, which kind of you kind of touched on this. Eric says Donovan wins because Joe won't stay in the box until pitch six, and he won't swing until pitch nine, so he has a little chance of putting one in play. And that goes back to your point about, hey, it's got to be ten swings. So he's got to get a couple looks, and then along the way he shouldn't have to chase a pitch that's out of the strike zone. Oh, yeah, because if you're Mitchell you just and you know him how up to throw, <laughs> right. all, I mean, all you got to do is just pitch him away. You know, we see that all the time on three and oh counts, or oh and two counts, I should say. Don't throw a strike, you know. Make the guy go fish. 
So when you got that going on there, so yeah, I mean, if, if Donovan is crafty with the ball, and something tells me he would be, uh, that that would that would work. But I mean, I think that they ought to jump on that. I think they ought to have it in conjunction with the bees game. The bees schedule came out. Uh, yeah, what was I think it was yesterday, and they're playing a little longer. They used to quit on Labor Day, but now they're going a couple weeks longer than that. Uh, get that out there. I think people would love that, man. Uh, I think they'd absolutely love that. Uh, two high-profile guys, and you have charity, and people could participate, and TV would be out there. That could be a lot of fun. And then get any get anybody in there who thinks they can hit Mitchell. Who thinks <laughs> Mitchell pitches his arm off. You got, you got a line of jazz fans all the way around the block. No, no, not. I'm talking about jazz players. Oh, okay. Not just Joe Blow off the street. Royce O'Neal, you want some of this? Yeah. <laughs> Donovan's calling guys out of the dugout. Come on, Royce. Hey, pick up boy, a bat. On, get over here. Jordan picks up a bat. I'll take some cuts. <laughs> they could have a lot of fun with that on a beautiful summer night. Uh, Rusty says it won't happen. Somebody will tell jazz ownership about it. Shut it down. That was actually uh, Jake Scott's point in the afternoon. He says, Dennis isn't going to let this happen. You can't mess with Donovan's shoulder. Donovan's going to want to win this so bad, he's going to throw his arm out. He hasn't thrown a pitch in how long? Well, then obviously he would get ready. He would start to condition himself. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to keep him in, a, in, a, in an enclosed in a case the, the entire offseason? Come on. <laughs> All right, it's time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. He joins us now. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, guys. Yeah, so you think Joe Ingles could get a hit off Donovan Mitchell, former high school pitcher? Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> you didn't really sell that with a lot of conviction, Andrew. <laughs> I think I missed the first part of the conversation. Okay. So I'm a little out of the list. <laughs> yeah, well, the, Joe mentioned that uh, Donovan's been talking about what a good baseball player he was, and if, uh, if he gets 10 pitches, can Joe get a hit off Donovan? And apparently they've been on the bus going back and forth and are wagering a significant amount of money for charity, of course. Oh, interesting. Uh, That's a good pay-per-view program right there. <laughs> See, look at you, the business <laughs> mind. It just starts clicking in. All right, Andrew, tell us about Wasatch Medical Clinic, uh, the latest work, and uh, what kind of results you're hearing from uh, patients. Well, guys struggling with ED have had nowhere to turn for 30 years. The pill, the pill, more pills, and more headaches. Uh, Wasatch Medical Clinic uses uh, the two most advanced forms now, actually, of acoustic wave therapy. FDA registered, uh, studied now, and uh, let's see, 40 clinical studies now is what we have, showing that this regrows blood vessels. If you can just imagine life in the bedroom with more blood vessels, wider blood vessels, that is what our treatments can accomplish, and pretty easily, actually, over about two to three weeks. So this is a game changer if you're a little frustrated. Maybe you don't have full-blown ED. Maybe you just want to improve the frequency. Um, This can help, and it can get you off of the pill. So as as guys start... uh going through this treatment and all that, you, you ask them a bunch of questions, and so you've also, you've also collected a lot of information on now what the top causes of ED are. Yeah. We see the same things over and over. We see a lot of diabetes and prostate issues. Uh, we see a lot of blood flow and circulation issues. Those would probably be the top ones that I would name, but I also would say that this is just the way a man ages. Um, you know, our blood vessels are tiny to begin with in this part of the body, and Anything can disrupt those. The American lifestyle, how we eat. So you're more normal than you think. You're not too young if you're out there struggling. 
So you got a special deal for people. We do. If you want to put a stop to the ED, if you want to use scientifically proven technology to do it, uh, call us right now at Wasatch Medical, and we're giving away a lot. It's the assessment and the exam with our doctor. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound. Really cool. little special gift. We've enhanced this recently. It produces basically immediate results in the bedroom, and new patients even get free testosterone, help with a little of the drive in the bedroom. So call us now. There's a lot of value, and it's all no charge. You can call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer, 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical, 801-901-8000. It's 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ PK and the radio voice of the Utah Jazz joining us now, David Locke. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. You? I'm great. You know why? Because it's Friday morning and I get to talk with my two good friends, David James and Patrick Kinahan. And they're legends in the market of Utah. They've been here forever. <laughs> they the number one rated morning show. They bring insight. They bring knowledge. PK brings a little caustic energy. DJ's my buddy, and it makes me happy that you're still here every morning. you got 10 minutes to stop that. <laughs> 10 minutes to stop that. What's that was, up, guys? That wasn't exactly what he said when he met me in a bagel shop and lowballed me and tried to convince me to do morning radio. <laughs> Why am I still a victim of having no budget 25 years ago? Uh, yeah, really. Good point. Because it's fun. <laughs> okay. Let me All ask right. you a question. Yeah. Um, if I'd given you like $5,000 more then and said, but I want 3% all of your future earnings, how would have I done? Ooh. You'd have cashed in. <laughs> okay, but so but you've already cashed in, so <laughs> how many times do you need to cash in? A lot. All right. Are the Jazz going to cash in on the Clippers? That is the question. They beat them once. Joe Ingles told us how hard it is to beat a team twice, although he acknowledged they've already done it twice this year to New Orleans and Dallas. What do you expect in here? And I suppose that starts with who do you think is going to play and who do you think is going to sit? That's probably the first thing to figure out. Um, so... Let's assume I think returns tonight. Um, I, I actually, if I was totally honest, I would have probably thought he returned. You know, once he went to questionable, I thought he would return. But um, so I'm, I'm think he'll return tonight. Uh, I think that kind of using that same logic, which turned out to be wrong the other day, that once you have um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Nicholas Batum all questionable, I think they're all going to play. So. I'm assuming we're getting a full strength game and this is this is a great test. Like it doesn't we lose it doesn't disqualify the fact you've won 20 of 21 and that you're, you know, a legitimate title contender. But there are two areas that I have of, you know, concern for our path forward and both of them will get exposed tonight. So that that'll be really interesting. The two areas are the Clippers really kind of broke our method of play in the last game with inferior talent. Atlanta did the same thing with inferior talent. So, and that is that they hugged our shooters, made us play a two-man pick-and-roll game in the middle of the floor. We weren't able to move the basketball uh, and swing it around and get our threes and get those great moments. Ty Lue said in the Zoom call to me before the game, you know, I don't, I, I want to not into closeouts. We've got to avoid being in closeouts. Well, the way you avoid being in closeouts is you, you hug the shooters and don't let them get passes. And so 
the that's they did that. I mean, the Jazz took more um, non-restricted area twos in the first half of that game than they had in like thirteen or fourteen complete games this year. So now we're going to see it again, but instead of having Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, and whatever other guard they had on the floor whose name is completely escaping me right now that was six feet tall and small, um, Reggie Jackson, they're going to have 6'9", Paul George, 6'9", Kawhi Leonard, and 6'8", Nicholas Batum. So are we able to pass? And in the two-man game in the middle of the floor, can we score? And I don't know. Like, I think that's a real concern for us. When Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka are now guarding Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, pick and roll, and Paul George and Zubak are now guarding the Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert pick and roll, I think we could have a really hard time scoring in the middle of the floor. And if they're hugging our shooters, we better find a way to, to get it out. But that's, that's the concern for me. So then with the questionable status thing, as you view it as playing, are we viewing Mike Conley in those same words? Yeah, I think Mike Conley will play, and he'll be way, he'll be really, really valuable because now if that's the way you're playing, you can move Donovan off the ball and have Donovan come off pin downs or picks off Rudy or other players, small guard-to-guard uh, picks, and then try to free him into – so that the pick and roll is now coming off a run rather than coming off a static position at the top. And that'll, you know, Patrick Beverly got into Donovan and Donovan got like stood up a little bit. And now you're going to bring Donovan off a, off a wing pick and, and bring him. So he's got, you know, he's got the ball in flow and, and that should, that's where you know, they really missed Mike the other night. So as we look around the West, obviously as the Jazz and Clippers play, they're going to be playing on the same floor the Lakers play on. And you've watched the Lakers Thursday. Man, with, without Anthony Davis, they don't have enough firepower. With him, they have a little margin for error. If, if their best two players are on, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, PK brought this up earlier this morning. Do you think the Lakers are going to make a move here? Do you think they feel like they need someone else who can score? So I've got to give Rob Blink some you know, credit. I don't know. I mean, you get LeBron and you get Anthony Davis, and so obviously, you know, you, you've got pretty good ingredients in the cake, and you're just putting a little frosting on it at that point. Um, but I do think that he's shown an aggressiveness. I don't know that I love the Dennis Schroeder move in the offseason, but he certainly he identified where he thought his championship team was lacking, and um, and then made the next step, which is you know that's pretty impressive to me actually. Um, that. You know, he was willing to do that. So I, they've been very active. They're the number one buyout market in the league. Everybody wants to play with LeBron. Um, so I would suspect that they w- that you'll see them make some sort of, of change. I don't know how dramatic. Like, are they going to, you know, they, they don't have a lot of picks left. New Orleans owns most of them. Kuzma's probably their most tradable piece. He's actually played brilliantly and actually decided to engage defensively at times. And he's super long. So he has some value and he's not that expensive. So I don't know. You know, they don't have like, I don't think they have a Bradley Beal package they can put together. Um, and so is there a, you know, is there another tier player where there's somebody up against the tax and you can make a move and you bring in somebody who, you know, you know, I don't know who I'm, I'm, you know, Denver always comes to mind. Like, are you somehow going to get a Gary Harris out of Denver who needs to clear some space to do something for some other deal? I don't know. Uh, but Polink has been very aggressive. I haven't looked at their schedule for the next two weeks. I mean, you know, obviously the last two days have been really telling. They played Minnesota. That's a game that even without Anthony Davis, they still win. They played Brooklyn, has some firepower, and they don't. Like, I haven't looked to see over the next two weeks how many losable basketball games they really have. So, Anthony, Anthony, by the way, Anthony Davis is not back for 
like four weeks. It's like That's the reevaluate in two or three weeks. And yesterday, last night, Frank Vogel tra- clarified that a little bit. Like, hey, he's, he's not coming back for like four weeks. So he's missing till post-All-Star break at best. With Conley coming back, does it automatically mean he goes into the starting lineup and Joe goes to the bench? Are there other possibilities, say, like maybe bringing Bogdanovich off the bench? Yeah, I think it automatically means that that, yes. I think you go right back to where you were. You don't lose your job for a starter, but he's also Mike Conley. So, yeah, you you go back. that You might, you might close differently, though. Frankly, I don't think we've been very good over the last few years, and even this year when Joe, Mike, and Donovan are all on the floor at the same time. Um, you know, Joe is having, I think, maybe the best seven-game stretch of his NBA career. It's pretty awesome. Um, and in you know, and in many ways, uh, you know, we're talking about Mike Conley as a potential all-star. I frankly think Joe Ingles has had a year that's it's probably, if Mike Conley's worthy, Joe's worthy. Mike's got a much better chance. There's no way we'll convince anyone of that. But I mean, Joe's really good after a sluggish start. Has been brilliant. And there's no question that Joe plays better in the starting lineup. But like, can we stop with like the the reason everyone plays better in the starting lineup is because they're playing with Rudy, right? Like. Like, this shouldn't be complicated for us anymore. Like, you look at the top ten pick-and-roll combinations in the NBA, there's only one big got two guards with him. It's Rudy. And frankly, like, when you look at, like, Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan, like, the reason's Kyrie Irving, right? Like, when you look at most of the pick-and-roll league combinations in the NBA, you go, oh, Chris Paul. Like, oh, it's like, Rudy's the reason. Like, so Mike Conley is playing better this year because he plays every minute with Rudy Gobert. Joe Ingles is playing better when Mike Conley's out because he takes all the minutes with Rudy Gobert. So that's what's going on there. It's that you're, they all, they, you play with Rudy, you play better. Like we all talk about the Joe Ingles, Derek Favors pick and roll and how great it is and we love it and they're combining. Joe and Rudy have always been better than Joe and Derek. So a lot that's of, not a slight on Derek. That's just a comment on how great Rudy is. Saw a lot of discussion on social media about uh, Derek Favors and has he lost some athleticism? And I got to wonder if it, the back is bothering him. He's not on the injury report, but he was earlier this year. Do you have any thoughts on that as people see him finger roll and lay balls in that he used to dunk? I mean, I think he's clearly struggling physically or else he wouldn't have been on those um, – Injury reports, I, I think there's a there's going to be a little bit of a trick for Derek on, like, how he stays he's playing so much less than he's ever played before. So how do you stay, like, does your body get – I don't know how this works. I really – this is a legitimate just question. Like, does your body get fresh or does your body get stale when you're only playing 12 minutes a night and you're used to playing 25? Um, I, don't, I don't know on that. I think that's going to – is a challenge for Derek. You know, Derek came back to Utah in, because he loved it here and he loves Quinn and – and he felt family and all those things. I also kind of would say that I, I, I don't think a lot of guys decide they're only going to play 14 minutes a night if they thought their body was able to play 34. Mm-hmm. Like there might have been some self-awareness going on here of like, wow, I'm just not physically able to go at 30 minutes a night anymore. And if I – sign this deal, get to a place I like, be with people I enjoy, be with a coach I believe in, and, you know, have a – and I can lengthen my career a little bit by playing 16 minutes a night. I I, I have not talked to Derek. I mean, this is – 
a classic example of where the pandemic just does not let us report the way we once did. I mean, this would this would be a conversation. You just hold with them, like, you know, why? And what were your thoughts? And how's your body? And like, you just would know the answer to these questions. You just don't know them right now. But that's my quick thought on that, is that it's not really the most natural thing for a player to do, to decide not to, to do that. Um, and, you know, the only other one I would say, I think it's probably a little bit more of a mental struggle again, you know, I apologize. Like this is just one of these conversations where I just feel really like fish out of water right now. And it's because we just don't have the access we once did, but I go back to a quote earlier in my career where this actually happened in a dinner in Denver where I was out for dinner with Jeff Hornacek. And we were just talking, we were talking about the end of his career. And he shared with me that what happened was that one day he was driving into the arena and he realized, like, wow, I don't really have an impact on the game tonight. Like he said, for all those years of, like, the Jazz in their heyday and me with the Jazz, I'd pull into the arena and, like, my last thought every time was, all right, let's go. You got to be good tonight. You got to be good. Like, as he got out of the car, like, all right, let's get ready. Let's pump it up. I got to be good. If we're going to win tonight, I got to be good. And he's like, at the end of my career, when I was coming off the bench and playing, like, 15 minutes a night, I would drive in and be like, mm, okay, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm okay. Like, he's like, I just lost the – like there wasn't the same thing, and it, it, I, I got to assume again. I don't know, but I got to assume that that's probably a little bit of what Derek's going through too, right? Like he, he's motivated and he's engaged, but he, he's not walking into the arena thinking, "Wow, I'm going to change the outcome of the game tonight," unless something unique happens. It's not the same feeling. I, I might be told Derek, Derek might hear this, and again, I apologize. These are one of those things that, like, I would talk to Derek and probably give him that whole story and ask him how he's comparing to that, and you just can't do that right now. So I, I apologize that I, I'm kind of being very hypothetical. I don't like to be like this. It's what I've generally avoided in my career, but left with very little other choice right now. How about Bogdanovich? It seems like his play's been up and down. Now, it doesn't really matter as much when you're winning, but I'm wondering if he's in that position of trying to find himself. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we have a lot, like, so, I mean, what we're kind of alluding to here is inside of the conversation of how great all of our balance is and our depth and all those things, like, that goes both ways too, right? And it is all hunky-dory-dandy when you've won 20 of 21, but, like, we talked about at the very beginning of the year that it was going to be a little bit of a struggle for us to figure out, you know, where all the shots go. And if you add up all the shots we're supposed to have on a given night, you know, Joe suddenly gets a lot of shots tonight, right? Like, my comedy's back. There's, full, there's, you know, they've all been playing for six days, and, and now there's 14, 14, 15 shots that have to get redistributed. And when Donovan went out for a little while, I think Boyan was big, and other guys were big, and now their shots have to be distributed. And these guys have been really good at it, and they're collective, and it's why Quinn, you know, you hear Quinn has this, their, 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 uh, their our shots, not his shots. And, uh, you know, everyone's working for collective shots, and that's the mentality that Quinn trying to promote to these guys, but the reason Quinn's trying to promote to these guys is he's 100% aware of the fact that they're, you know, there's a there's a limited amount of shots out there, and there's a, guys who are used to getting them. So, yeah, this is this is certainly a a little bit of a mental game for the Jazz players that that they have to stay in this this really great mindset they're in right now because there is a limited amount of shots available. Do you think Bogey's healthy, or do you think a lot of what we're seeing is the wrist is still bugging him and the surgery didn't get things back to 100%? Um, so there's very little track record out there on that surgery of players returning to play from that surgery successfully, um, largely because the players who had it were all either not very good or at the end of their career. Um, 
but they, all of them that did have it had a pretty dramatic drop um, that then led to them, you know, either they were on their way out of the, the league, Antoine Jameson at 37 years old, Xavier Henry, at, you know. So I think it's a really hard surgery to come back from. So I think these inconsistencies we're seeing have to be related to that. The, the one I would say, by the way, though, he straightened out his rim finishing. His the, the early season struggles for Bogey actually were rim finishing. They weren't three. They weren't really three point shooting. Like early in the year, he's shooting thirty four percent from three instead of thirty instead of forty. Like it's actually not that many shots as we saw because he got right back up to forty pretty quickly. Um, he was really bad at the rim, and I actually think his legs weren't right. So I think that part of the thing with Bogey early in the year was not wrist related. I thought I think he you know just his rehab and whatever other things he went through in the offseason that prevented him from being in tip-top shape. When he drove the basket, his, his, he didn't have any lift, and the ball was hitting short on the basket. He's fixed that. His rim finishing is much better right now. Um, and now his three-point shooting's off a little bit. That just could be, I mean, you know, like that's just numbers. Like let's, let's not look at his three-point shooting in 20-shot increments. Let's look at it in, you know, 200-shot increments. And so he's what, about 30, is, what is he, 38% for the season right now? Uh, right? Yeah, I think that's about right. All right, so he gets hot for like four days, and he's back to forty, right? If it happens, yes. But of course, yeah, if he's so, not healthy, can it happen? Well, I mean, he got hot early and got back to forty. Now he slipped down. So, I, I mean, I think he's not. I, I would say I would guess that he probably has some scar tissue and he has some things in there that are different. He had a surgery, right? Like our bodies are not actually made to be opened and put back together. So there's something different in there, and he's just probably dealing with it and. You know, again, kind of back to – I'm pretty useless on the show. I don't even know why you have me on. Like, I don't have any insight at all. I don't talk to any of the players. I don't I don't know crap for you anymore. I'm used to this. Thanks for making me feel like I suck today. I really appreciate you know, coming that, on the show. That's funny you say that, and I'm sure you feel it as a personal loss. But listening to your broadcast, does the listener really notice any difference in the quality of the broadcast? And I can argue – no, it doesn't, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be out on the road or anything. I'm just, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just talking about the product that you produce. It's hard to discern that there's much of a difference well, from uh, let me all tell the you things what. that you produce. Let me tell you what. Um, so the listener is missing out on a lot. I can feel it every night where there's just a note or a tidbit or a piece of information or something you could share with a player. It can be. A I know silly. you can, but I wonder if they no, feel but I the think same the, way. I mean, maybe this is the classic example of like, you know, there's a missing ingredient in some sort of really nice dinner you get and you don't notice it, but the, sh- the but, but it could have right. been better. Right. Right. Like it's I got fine. And we've been put in a position to succeed by the organization. So I'm super appreciative of that. And it's fine. I'll go with that. It's fine. But it's not what it can be, and it's not delivering to the listener what you could get. And it can be as simple as riding the elevator with Donovan Mitchell, ecstatic that he just found out that his sister got into American University, is going to American, and he has to share that. And so you share that tidbit with the fans, and it gives you this texture and feeling of who Donovan Mitchell really is as a person, that he's so excited for his sister going to a big game, that's what he wants to tell you in the elevator. Right? Like, I think those moments are super important. The moment in, in the team was struggling a few years ago, and I walked to the hotel lobby, and Ricky Rubio's got seven different players he's leading out for dinner, and I know the clicks of the team, and those are four different clicks that are going to dinner that night. 
Right? Those little tidbits tell the story to the fans of what's going on and how Ricky, you know, leaving Detroit on the, the night Ricky Rubio decided not to get stitches and come back in to finish that game that then leads to the next night where Rubio hits the three and you get all the little backstories about those two events. There's so much the listeners missing from that. So yeah, those when they're are the winning, pieces, when they're right, winning 20, right. 20 out of 21, I mean, could, that's all that matters. Right, I could be completely horse crap on the air right now and everybody tell me I'm great because we, I'm telling them about wins every night. Tim right. Roy tells this like great story. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this. He was like brought into the office in Golden State by many bosses ago, and they told him that his Q rating was way down and it's a problem. He's like, we won 56 games last year and 24 this year. Of course my freaking Q rating is down. <laughs> I gave bad news 62 times. Like, what the hell? Is, like, it was like crazy. My Q, I'm sure I'm like, yeah, I mean, gosh, I'm beloved right now, right? I've only given you good news 20 of 21 times, and the one night I didn't give you good news, the other team was so great, I was still giving you good news. So, of yeah. course, like, you know, like, but there's so much that's missing. And I will tell you, like, the other night, like, just to share with you, I don't know if you care, but just to share, like, Patrick Beverly's is, like, incredible animated character on the floor. And when you're calling a game, which you're – and I've learned this really from Kevin Harlan by just obsessively listening to every radio game he's ever called. When you're calling a game, you're actually your own camera, right? Like, so the TV is taking you to where the TV camera and Travis Anderson – and Jeremy Brunner winning Emmys by taking the right shots all the time. Well, I'm taking you with my camera where I want to go. So I go back to Oklahoma City the night Paul George was, like, unbelievable the night after the All-Star game, and one of my better calls was, like, Paul George was, like, laying on the ground, just surely exhausted, just but on fire and having to take free throws and taking the extra second he could to get up because he was so tired. And you And I took my camera to that spot and took the listener right there to that moment. The other night, like Patrick Beverly's being animated and he's doing, I was like, I'm, so I start to take the camera, my camera to Patrick Beverly. He's the story right now. Donovan's one for eight. Beverly's causing the problems. Let's go into Beverly. So animated. What's he doing? And the TV camera switches off with him. And I'm just screwed. Like, I'm like, you know, I don't know if you remember the call was like Beverly pacing toward the official, hands out wide, and they shot to another shot. I now have no idea what Patrick Beverly is doing because I'm in Salt Lake City and he's in Los Angeles. So it's brutal. But I'm glad to know that it's feasible, and as long as I can tell everybody about 20 or 21 wins, everybody will be happy. Yeah, that's for sure. Just win 95% of the time and everything will be okay. <laughs> right, and, that, and, my, and then I can go into a meeting and say I want to raise because my Q rating's good. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you. Okay, thanks. All right, David, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, even if you know, you're only uh, 73% of your normal self. I'm far less than that on road games. On home games, I should be way better than that. How's that? There you go. Okay. Thanks, David. See you. All right, David Locke, joining us every Friday here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. He's working in L.A. this week. The Jazz are playing the Clippers in L.A. Perfect time to have him on. That's coming up at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Andrew Reinhart right now. He joins us. Talk about Wasatch Medical Clinic and their breakthrough treatment for ED that does not involve a pill, injections, or surgery. I don't even like reading that phrase, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a good scenario, guys. Start out with the pill for ED. Their body builds up a little tolerance. They take a little more, then they take more, then it stops working, and then it's the needles. 
And we don't have to talk about the negatives with that. It's pretty obvious. Uh, I think that those things could be a thing of the past. Um, this treatment that Wasatch Medical Clinic uses, the two most advanced forms of acoustic wave therapy, they use pressure waves, kind of like breaking down a muscle in the gym. We're building blood vessels in this part of the body up stronger. We're opening them up and even regrowing some so that when the timing is right in the bedroom, the blood flows properly. Uh, ED, we kind of forget, ED is a blood flow problem. That's what we're treating, and we've helped a lot of guys reverse their erectile dysfunction and, of course, eliminate those pills. So when, uh, when you talk to the patients after this, what is the feedback you're getting? The feedback is generally a relief of pressure because the pill creates so much stress. And I think just getting on-demand function back, improved frequency is, is kind of a breath of fresh air. They're more relaxed in the bedroom. They know that they can perform. And by the way, we're getting a lot of good feedback from the spouses. That's been really cool to say, hey, I sure I'm glad my husband or boyfriend or whatever went through these treatments. And you've got stuff from Cambridge University. And by stuff, I mean, you know, <laughs> scientific studies and results. Right. Which in my world scientific is, you know, stuff. stuff. Right. <laughs> We do. There's 40 clinical studies. Cambridge is the most interesting to me because they took a bunch of guys of every age, like 30 years old to 70, I think. Some had health conditions, some didn't, and tested it. And they showed it worked. It has a high success rate. It's totally safe. And uh, it can, you know, it can reverse the erectile dysfunction. So you got a special offer for the people who call 801-901-8000 right now. Yeah, pick up the phone, call us now. You're going to meet with our doctor at no charge. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound at no charge. A little enhanced gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. You'll really love that. Uh, new patients even get free testosterone. So a ton of value. Call us here at Wasatch Medical Clinic now. It's all no charge. Call Wasatch Medical right now, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical, you get the special deal right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Sam Amick. I still see national pundits compare the Jazz to the Hawks of a few years ago. They were so good, but ended up flaming out. Is this a case where the Jazz really can't win those people over to their side? Because 20 of 21, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Donovan Starr does continue to get brighter, but it's not as bright as a James Harden or a LeBron. If you ask the casuals why Utah is winning every night, they say, tell me what LeBron's doing. But they're earning respect on a nightly basis. They're winning even when they don't play all that well, which is a sign of a really good team. They're winning when they got guys out of the lineup. They seem to also keep their perspective on the big picture and know you don't want a championship a couple months into the regular season. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davidsvisionmd.com Question of the morning... Brought to you by Charles Barkley. Yes, Charles Barkley got on TNT and announced he thinks Jordan Clarkson should be an all-star ahead of Anthony Davis. Reaction! PK, this is shocking. What? Well, Anthony Davis has a rep. Anthony Davis won a championship. Anthony Davis starts. Jordan Clarkson comes off the bench. I mean, all the normal things that if I said, no names, describe an all-star, 
Jordan Clarkson checks some of the boxes. Anthony Davis checks all of the boxes. It wouldn't be shocking if Barkley said Jordan should Jordan Clarkson should be an All Star. Maybe mildly surprising, depending on how close you do or don't follow the team. But that he would say he's an All Star in front of Davis, that to me is surprising. That's got you flummoxed, huh? It does. It does because I don't know that there's anybody who thinks Anthony Davis shouldn't be an All Star. Of course, he should be an all-star. So to say he should be an all-star in front of Davis is different than saying Jordan Clarkson should be an all-star. Okay, but how much is that due to the injury that Anthony Davis is now dealing with? Well, the fact is that Davis isn't going to be able to play in the all-star game. The Lakers just came out and said he's out for four weeks. So they could name him, and then they're going to have to name a replacement. So it kind of, you know, Barkley's argument goes straight into the realm of the hypothetical because they aren't going to both be healthy where one guy's going to bump the other. Agreed. The whole idea of an all-star for the NBA, it's its not as obvious, I think, as it is in other sports because, you know, how much emphasis is due for winning. And Jordan Clarkson is having a significant impact on winning. When you ask that what's about winning, you know, what does it take to win? Well, you need a lot of different components. And one of the components that you need in this league is the score off the bench. Yep. And it's sort of like in baseball, they were slow to acknowledge the relief pitcher, you know, but gradually they came to realize that, that and you see, you'll actually see what you would consider non-starter and non-closer be an all-star. And that took a while to get to that level, yep. to have that, whoever that person was, whoever that pitcher is, to get that recognition. But then they realized, you know, that's an important part of the game. And so that That's sort one of, those of things melted in retro- away a little bit, chipped in, away at it. In retrospect, you look at that and think, why wasn't that more obvious earlier? Right. But, well, because it wasn't, that, it wasn't that way in the early parts of the game. Right. The start, you look at some of these stats of guys, Gibson and Drysdale. I mean, they completed the, just staggering amounts of games compared to they do now. And then the closer came along, and that was sort of invented, and that became all right. That was, we can see that the dude who gets the last out. Well, the dude who gets the last out against the seven, eight, nine hitter, so is that maybe that's not as hard as the guy who gets the three, four, five guys out in the inter- in- inning before. You know what I mean? And so that became recognized. And so we have that in basketball. And you just brought it up. One's a starter and one's a bench player. Yeah. Okay, well that that jumps out at you, but that bench player in that specific role. That is something that is not guys falling off trees that you pluck and you have them do, and they succeed at it because everybody's brought up to be a starter, and that's what you are. Did you Are you starting the game, and that matters. Your name is called, and you go out there starting at guard. You know, we all know that. And one of the first guys who drummed it into my head was Majerus. He used to say, starting's for high school. And you know how he was. He was gruff in a lot of ways <laughs> when he would make his point. And he said that and got me thinking, starting's for high school. And, uh, and I got to be thinking about that. You need guys in individual roles. And what, what is an all-star? Because you look at it, Clarkson isn't playing uh, like this highly recognizable role that Mitchell is. 
But is Clarkson, I'm not going to say he's as valuable as Mitchell. That's a tough one there. But is he right there with everybody else? And certainly not Gobert. But the other guys that play a relatively uh, close game to his. Because what he does, he's going to do it at an extremely high level. So is that something that should be all-star worthy on a team that's won 20 of 21? And see, that's a great discussion, but that's a great discussion separate from he should bounce Anthony Davis from his team. Because Davis literally misses a game. And if you didn't see the Laker game last night, uh, you know, for you and I, we stay up for the local teams. And if we're tired the next morning, we take a nap or whatever. But for the national games, there's always late games on for the West Coast. And we can't stay up for all of them, so we pick our spots. I got to tell you, when the Lakers went down by 20 in the third quarter and they had a shot of sad-looking Anthony Davis in street clothes over there at the end of the bench or what has become the bench, the bench area, you're like, yeah, they're not coming back from this. I'm going to bed. So Anthony Davis' impact is massive. With him, they can, they can, they may not, but they could repeat as champions. With him, they did win the title last year, and they have a shot at doing it again. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. We'll see how it plays out. But without him, they have no shot. Anthony Davis is a big, big part of what the Lakers are doing. Okay, I and can't so to, argue that. And so to bounce him from the All-Star team for Jordan Clarkson seems like a huge that, that seems like a huge call by Barkley. But I think it emphasizes that Barkley agrees with what you just say, said is starting this for high school, or, or in Barkley might say starting this for college, and the Jazz wouldn't be where they are without this guy. What he is doing deserves recognition. It's a big part of why the Jazz are 20 out of 21 instead of, I don't know, pick a number, you know, 14 or 18 out of 21, whatever, who knows. You know, there are games where they haven't quite had it, and he's come in and gotten hot and gets them on a roll and they win the game. So he deserves some recognition for that. To the level of recognition the AD gets for helping LeBron get another title, that seems like a big call. It seems like when you're saying that, Barkley is saying the Jazz can do this which isn't really what Shaq was saying on TNT a couple of weeks ago. And that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And you, you got get more, more evidence. You get more, yeah. you get new, hopefully, if you get new information, you get a new opinion. <laughs> Obviously, life doesn't always work that way. But hopefully, and you know, is this last couple of weeks enough, the Jazz have played some of the better teams in the NBA. Now, they've also played some of the better teams shorthanded. So, you know, but they, they just rolled through the best teams in the East. And now they've beaten the Clippers. Obviously, the Clippers were missing their two-star players and a couple other guys, too. I understand all that. But I like the idea, and maybe it's against Davis that you're going specific, and it's hard for me to argue specifically against him. I understand that completely. Uh, I, I want, I'm trying to make an argument here because that's my job. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And so I'm thinking – you know, is is Anthony Davis, because LeBron is so overwhelming, is Anthony Davis in the Pippen category to where we're asking, okay, this guy's a really good player, mm-hmm. but just how good is he? Because the number one is so overwhelmingly good. Right. That does that detract from the number two? It does, and the question is fairly or unfairly, and I would say unfairly, because Davis is still the difference between winning and losing on a lot of nights. LeBron spent a lot of energy to make sure they beat Minnesota, who is terrible, who is arguably the worst team in the NBA. 
Now, they've got the worst record, but, you know, if they were in the East playing some of those teams, they might not have the worst record. But they'd still be really bad. Yeah, but that's just one game. This sure. is the NBA. Anybody can beat anybody in one game. Right. But I think that that is, I think if we look since, since Davis went out, LeBron's had to really turn it up to make sure they beat some okay to bad teams. And they had no chance to beat the Nets, who were without Durant. You know, it's not like they had all their guys. Durant was in street clothes. Yeah, I think LeBron has to have an impact, a huge impact every single night. And so I think where Anthony Davis gets knocked down, I think you can have 10 Anthony Davises. Yes, but the also, and I agree with that, but the all-star team you get to put 12 guys on. With injuries, you get to put on 13 or 14. So, you know, and, and the other thing that we haven't gotten into, and I know we got to go to break here, is that if Clarkson gets on, is that in place of Mitchell and Gobert or are the Jazz getting three no. guys? Are they literally getting a quarter of the team? Well, maybe not with it. <laughs> maybe getting 20% of the team because there'll be more than 12 guys if, uh, if AD and Paul George are named. Well, the team if Mitchell play. and Gobert don't go, I'm not going to pay attention to it. It's yeah. going to be bogus. It's, it's crap. It's useless. It makes no sense. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge that if that's the case. The, those two are an absolute given. It's just a question of do they get a third one, and Conley was on track for that, but now he's missed six ball games. So do you look somewhere else? I like the fact that Barkley brought up Clarkson because I think that role is difficult and he's succeeding at it and there's not that many guys who do it and even if Barkley's wrong it's definitely worth a shout out on national tv that's that th- for sure look yeah. what this guy is doing yes so. all right DJ and PK it's 97.5 1280 the zone Shane Young NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports in LA for the Jazz and the Clippers this week he will join us coming up in about 15 minutes stay with us number one The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got some uh, a little bit of college football news. We just got a couple minutes here before we get back to the Jazz with Shane Young, NBA columnist. He's in LA. We'll talk Jazz and Clippers with him. But PK, you brought this up earlier in the show. Well, I brought it up, but you expounded on it. Uh, Arizona State is getting the former Ute wide receiver Brian Thompson. Started 12 games. Uh, during four years at Utah, uh, made some big plays, looked the part. People were always waiting for him to take the next step. He didn't. Why is that? Is it him? Is it the play calling? Is it the quarterbacking? Everybody's got an opinion. You know, it's some combination of all of those things probably. Now he goes to Arizona State. He's got two years of eligibility. You mix in the red shirt. You mix in the uh, bonus year because the clock didn't run on this last season, so that didn't your NCAA clock didn't officially advance there. So he's got two years there, and as an ASU guy, I'm I'm curious what your expectations are for him because I do think that a long running debate in this market is going to be defined, and this probably isn't enough data points, enough info. But that's not going to stop the debate from raging on anyway. If he goes down there and excels, it'll be C, the U doesn't know how to, uh, to use a good wide receiver. If he goes down there and he doesn't excel, for whatever reason, it'll be, wow, even the best U receivers go to another school and get buried. It's easy to see the debate going down either one of these paths. But the question is, 
you know the roster better than most of us, and you probably watch a lot of ASU football limited by when the Utes and Cougars play because um, that can conflict. Where do you think he's going to fit in? Is he going to go down there and blow up? Is he going to go down there and be okay? Is he going to go down there and disappear? What does the PK gut instinct say? Yeah, I don't really watch a lot of ASU football because of the local stuff that is a requirement as far as I'm concerned. But I do read a ton, that's for sure. I will agree with you on that. And I watch them when I can. It's just that, obviously, the locals take precedence, and a lot of times it's the same situation, same time or whatnot, or overlapping. So with that in mind, I was surprised he chose ASU, in all honesty, because when you listen to Herm, Herm is an NFL guy through and through, and I think to a large degree, NFL guys are cut from the Fred Whittingham mode, which is defense and don't screw up offense. And I said Fred. I purposely didn't say uh, Kyle. I said Fred because I think Fred is the one who's having the influence, and, and, and Kyle has spoken about that. It's no big secret. So it surprises me that Thompson chose Arizona State because – it seems like they're similar in their philosophies. Now, you look at Thompson, and boy, he checks all the boxes. And we we're waiting, waiting, waiting. And I think, as I analyze it, a large portion of his lack of productivity that we expected based on expectation, not lack of productivity end of sentence, lack of productivity based on expectation, I think a lot of it was the system of the offense. And I don't know that it's going to be different at ASU, but you do need to throw the ball. And even if you're run-oriented, you are still throwing the ball, as you say, 20 to 25 times in an offense. So, And Daniels didn't throw the ball that much. I think that my guess is, and I haven't spoken to anybody because it kind of took me off guard a little bit yesterday when I saw the news, I think that ASU's receiving core is extremely young. If they get back the last year, which they have the opportunity to get that back if they want it down the line, then they're basically starting a bunch of freshmen. And they only played four games last year, so I don't know that you can expect those guys to be all these big-time veterans because they just didn't have it last year and they didn't play enough games. So I can, I guess I can see they have a need for a lead receiver who has a proven track record in the way the last couple years that they've had with, uh, not this past season, but before that when they played the full seasons with Iuke and Henry, and both of those dudes end up being first-round draft picks. So you don't have to go to an air raid offense like SC where they're throwing the ball tons of times in order to get to the NFL. So I can see that. My guess is that we see more production out of Thompson at ASU than we saw at um, – Utah, and then if he has, say, all things go well, his best-case scenario, then even though he has the two years that he really only takes the one and then tries to go off to the NFL. So it, it, it's a situation here, you know, and, I, and I like to see the Utes do well, and everybody knows my thoughts about Kyle, but in all objectivity, I've got to look at and say they just really haven't developed those, those guys on the outside. Now, too, with Keithy here, you look at the situation, you're thinking, well, they're going to get him the ball as much as they can because he's in a lot of times in mismatch situations and Covey is so dynamic when you get him the ball and he's got any type of space, any type of room, he's making a big play. So where does that leave me knowing that, of course, they're going to run the ball? 
So sort of a long-winded answer there, but I expect him to be a little bit better in Tempe than he was in Salt Lake. It still seems to me, and I know I just keep saying this, and it keeps not happening, and then I say it again, and it doesn't happen again. So now I'll say it one more time, even if it doesn't happen again. Everything you say is true. You know, you got Covey as a slot receiver. He, they're going to throw him the ball. They got a really good tight end in Keithy. They like to throw it to the running backs out of the backfield. Now, I don't know how good these guys are. Is you know they bring in these grad transfers who apparently will be at the top of the depth chart. Uh, and we also don't know who the quarterback is and what kind of deep ball they throw. But there is still a place in a run dominant offense for a wide receiver who's a deep threat. So now it hasn't happened, but I'm waiting for it. It seems like it ought to happen, but it hasn't. And it seemed like it could have been him. And now if it is him, it'll be Jaden Daniels throwing deep balls to him at Arizona State. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Shane Young, NBA columnist, analyst for Forbes Sports. He's working in L.A. this week. Jazz and Clippers in L.A. tonight. And I'm sure he was covering that uh, Laker Laker-Nets game last night as well. Uh, we'll talk with him coming up next. Andrew Reinhardt joins us right now uh, with the Wasatch Medical Clinic Breakthrough Treatment. You've heard a little bit about it, and Cambridge University is backing up your work now, Andrew. Yes, they are. Uh, there's 40 clinical studies showing that our technology can reverse ED, regrow blood vessels. Cambridge University did a study, and what's interesting is they took a very wide uh, age range and a lot of different health conditions. They also took guys that were no longer even responding to the pill. So I kind of assume this was severe erectile dysfunction. Uh, tested them, you know, put them through the treatments. At the end of it, they said every single guy tested received an increase in blood flow. So really cool science here. I think we are really on to something. If you're out there struggling with ED at any level, of any age, this can work for you and it can get you off of taking that pill. So you've got uh, the top causes of ED. As you interview guys as they come through and talk to them about their medical history, you're seeing a few trends. Yes, we are. I don't think the American lifestyle and diet is helping any of us. That's the first thing. Uh, But diabetes, prostate issues. I also think that this is just the way that a man ages. I think it happens to guys younger than we'd like to admit. So uh, we do see the same things over and over. I mentioned some of those, but... Uh, you're more normal than you think if you're out there struggling at any level. So you got a special offer for our listeners. You want to uh, tell them all about it? We do. The worst thing you can do if you're struggling with ED is nothing at all. The problem gets worse. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic now, and the first step is the assessment and exam with our doctor. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound. We're going to do that at no charge and throw in a little gift that uh, guys love. It produces instant results in the bedroom. New patients even get free testosterone now. So a lot of value. Call Wasatch Medical and put a stop to the ED once and for all. All right. The number to claim that offer is 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. You can call Wasatch Medical and Andrew right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. We're joined now by Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, working in L.A. this week. Shane, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. So I'm curious, are you in L.A. because it's L.A. and it's February, or were you drawn more specifically by the Clippers and the Jazz twice and the, the Lakers and the Nets, or... You were escaping Texas and freezing weather and New Jersey and freezing weather and 
America in yeah. freezing weather. <laughs> good point. I got to say, uh, as good as the Jazz are, as dominant as the Jazz are, the the pull was more towards um, escaping where I'm from, Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It was 10 degrees, ice and snowstorms, and I'm not cut out for it, man. <laughs> yeah, we can understand that. That's for sure. I grew up in uh, Phoenix and uh, worked in the Los Angeles market here. So I got you on that. I understand that completely. And I think that's part of the reason maybe why the Lakers have been so good for so many years. We're approaching the, uh, not quite there, but uh, getting closer to the halfway point of the season. Uh, Evaluate the Western Conference for us. The West is is in a weird spot where I thought it was going to be really loaded and really deep from probably one to seven in terms of not, you know, not all seven teams or eight teams being title contenders, but at least, you know, on the same plane as that 2014 season where it was just loaded with, you know, 50 win teams or 2008, where I think you had to, you had to win 49 games to get into the playoffs, but really you only see three legitimate title contenders or you know, finals contenders in the West this year, when really we 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 would normally see a lot of teams that uh, had a punter's chance. And the East is a different story. The East, there's two teams that have really stuck out: Brooklyn and Philly, and then everyone else has dropped off from there. The Bucks are just very stale this year. And so the E or the, for the West, what I'm seeing is two teams that are that are you know the the Lakers and Clippers. They're they felt like they were on a collision course for the last couple of years to meet in the West Finals and kind of like you know battle it out to see who's the best in L.A. It didn't get to happen last year. Um, the, the bubble, the, all the circumstances behind it, kind of ruined the Clippers' chances last year. And now you're you're in a, it's a scenario where the the Lakers and Clippers are looking at at each other, saying, "Look, we might not even have it this year because the Jazz." Are twenty four and five on pace for sixty eight wins over a eighty two game schedule, which is just absurd. If you think about those Warriors teams with Kevin Durant, they the most they won with KD was sixty seven games. So like for the Jazz at this point of the season to be that good or better is just it's it's honestly unbelievable. I even I think even the most optimistic Jazz person. The, the most optimistic Jazz homer wouldn't even say that they expected this type of offensive production. Like normally, you see, you know, you, the, the Quinn Snyder teams—they share the ball, they are moving constantly, but they're, but but the shooting and the efficiency just isn't quite at the level that, that they want. This year, it's been the opposite. One of the, if not the best shooting teams, because of how many guys they have, they can just shoot. 40 plus percent and, and, and light it up from the corners. And then you have team, and then you have players that can get downhill like Donovan Mitchell uh, and really finish at the rim. So I think, I think it more so it's the Lakers and Clippers looking, you know, looking around saying, Hey, we might have to play in the second round instead of get to the conference finals because the jazz, honestly, in my opinion, I think the jazz are going to run away with the one seed when it's all said and done because of how easy their second half schedule will be. Do you think that the Lakers, once they see they can't get one and think there isn't that much of a difference between two and three with Anthony 
Davis hurt long-term here, that they're really going to throttle back and maybe even throttle back on LeBron, who's playing every game and playing big minutes and mm-hmm. carrying a big chunk of the load. Do you, do you think the, the Lakers kind of downshift here? and Or do you think they make a move and try to uh, add some talent and go for it? It's a great point you make because, in theory, like if you're a coach, like if I know if I was a coach, I would – definitely use the post-All-Star break, you know, the last, what, 30-something games to pick out a few for LeBron to rest and for LeBron just to not play, um, to, to gear up for a playoff run. Now, that that might mean that you're going to end up the four seed or the five seed. You know, the Suns currently at fifth are 17 and 10, only two losses behind the Lakers. So it's not it's not, like, inconceivable that L.A. could drop down there without Anthony Davis. Because, you know, Frank Vogel said that AD is going to be out at least another four weeks. Now, people took that four weeks and ran with it, thinking he's going to come back, you know, March 18th. He said that that's just an estimation, so it could be even longer. So I think I think the Lakers are going to drop back. Um, they play a lot of good teams coming up, I think. And then it, it's also a scenario where it, it, Frank Vogel's in a weird spot, and I and – I, don't envy this spot that he's in um, because, you know, LeBron has historically said, at least over the last three or four regular seasons, he is not taking games off. And it, it, it would be a different story, man, if, if he wasn't, like, chasing, hunting this MVP that he, that he for some reason, wants to prove that he can get. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, you would think that just the, the finals MVP and blowing through teams in the in the playoffs like he did in the bubble would be enough, but he seems to want that validation to to get the regular season MVP that he thinks he was robbed of from Giannis, uh, which he wasn't, by the way. So I I think I think it's I think LeBron is going to have more of a say on that than Frank Vogel. Oddly enough, even though you know Vogel should be able to say, look, LeBron, you're going to rest at least ten games so we can get so we can get you fully geared up and fully healthy, and then Anthony Davis will be back. You'll both be 100% for the first and second and third rounds. It, so, honestly, I think the Lakers are going to fall to four or five, um, but that's not going to be an indication of how good they are. So I agree with you as far as even the biggest jazz homer and we're in the land of jazz homers didn't have them. Uh, to this level, I don't think anybody did. My realistic thing as we went into the season was that if things broke their way and, and played as well as they could, they'd have a shot at the two seed. I thought that was a possibility, mm-hmm. but I wasn't saying that it was a lock and that they should be able to get that fairly easily. I thought things had to go well. And now one seed obviously is in play. So with that in mind, my expectation of a potential two seed, now talking one seed, what do you think as you've seen is the difference there or the surprise there that allows uh, somebody like my case to say well two seed is the ceiling but now no it's actually one seed yeah i thought you know the ceiling that that's kind of where i was too like they could potentially beat out one of the la teams if if they struggled now i'm you know i'm not sure like if you guys have been following me for a while but i i i still believe the clippers at full strength with their healthy lineup are the best team in the west and you know if you have the lineup of Pat Bev, uh, Kawhi, PG, Batum, or Marcus Morris, whichever you prefer, 
and Serge Ibaka, I think that just offers the the best switchability, the best spacing and shooting in the league. Uh, but we just haven't seen enough. I think that lineup has only played maybe 13 or 14 games together. They lost two games. So it's, you know, the, the Clippers have an availability issue. I don't think they have an on-court issue right now like they did last year. So I think if the Jazz just continue to do this, and look, I mean, nobody likes this comparison because it's it's the freaking Warriors, but um, <laughs> they, they do have the best point differential in non-garbage time minutes. You know, it, it's like right there with the 2017 Warriors. Um, it, so if you just take out all the garbage time where Quinn Snyder pulls his starters, pulls his main guys, and playing his bench, um, and only count like you know the 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 competitive minutes. Utah's on that plane, so um, I, I think I think the Jazz. You know, people are going to say even the people that pick them to be first or second, like you said. Uh, I, I think what I would tell them is we we still have to see it in the playoffs to believe it, and that's that's how it's going to be for all these teams. Like a team that's never won the title or or that's never been to the finals uh, in the last twenty plus years. It's not, you know, you're not going to get the validation unless you do it in the first and second round first and get to the conference finals, and then people start to, like, take you seriously. I've never been of the mindset it should take that long. I think regular season play is pretty indicative of how good you are. Um, but, yeah, I think there's people that's still going to be nervous about how can Donovan Mitchell score against switching defenses in the playoffs. Like, how can he score whenever the Clippers and Lakers are switching bigger and, and more you know, like physical bodies onto him. There's always going to be questions like that. And then, of course, like Jordan Clarkson having just a phenomenal season. I I can't believe it. I'm sitting there in person on uh, Wednesday night and seeing him pull up with virtually no space after ball screens. And that's something that his confidence really – his confidence has always been high, but he he didn't have that type of confidence with the Lakers or Cavs. So it's, it's jarring to see him turn into one of the best pull-up shooters in the NBA now. <laughs> um, but how can he do against switching defenses off the bench, like in the playoffs in the second round when it's game five, series tied 2-2? There's always going to be questions like that, man. And until they do it, they're not going to get the validation from the national guys. And that's unfortunate because, you know, a, a team this a team this dominant on both sides of the ball should be getting looked at a little bit more. Joined right now by Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, working in L.A. this week because Kentucky's really cold and L.A.'s got big NBA games and it's really warm, so it works out. Uh, You know, the flip side of that is kind of like part two to what you just said, is yes, the Jazz have to prove it in the playoffs, but it's also hard to assess this because two of the teams that look like really strong contenders, the Nets and the Clippers mm-hmm. aren't putting their guys out there. We're not seeing them at full strength. So while the regular season can be a pretty good indicator of how you are, we also know that the the number one seed in the playoffs hasn't won the thing the last three years. You can be two, three, or four in the regular season and get it. And if the Nets and Clippers aren't going to play their guys, how are we supposed to figure this out? Yeah, precisely. And you would think that it's a it, – it's – you know, when you say it like that, you would think, oh, Nash and, and, and Ty Lue are just, you know, not playing their full cards. They're kind of just keeping things in their back pocket. But no, like it's just been, it's been one of those weird seasons where Kevin Durant's issue is hamstring related. 
and they're not even comfortable putting them out there because they know how a hamstring injury can linger, and the health and safety protocols have kept them out for, what, three or four or five games. So uh, it's, you know, the Nets have just gotten unlucky. Uh, the Clippers, it's it's really kind of the same thing, man, where Paul George has a toe injury that you would think, oh, okay, a toe injury is not that bad. He could play through it eventually, but, hey, it, it's, I've seen those injuries keep people out for three or four weeks because it just doesn't heal up as fast as other other parts of the body, it seems. And Kawhi, Kawhi's issue has just been like he he got busted in the mouth by Serge Ibaka on a freak accident play, cost him a couple games. Uh, health and safety protocols cost him two more games. And then he has a, a I think it, they're calling it a bone contusion on him, in his lower leg. Uh, that he suffered against Cleveland last week, so that they're kind of being cautious with him. And you know, actually, funny enough, I think Ty Lue might be. I, I know Paul George and, and Kawhi are kind of like not healthy enough to play right now. They they could play tonight. They're questionable. We don't know yet. Um, but he's the coach that I could see kind of like just throwing away these games against Utah. You know, maybe throw away the games against the Lakers down the stretch of the season uh, because they play the L.A. Lakers two more times uh, because he. You know, first-year head coach with this team, uh, I think maybe it's like, a, oh, let, let me just not show everything that I have. Let me let me keep this unit rested for the playoffs, so so the Jazz and Lakers don't have much film to go off against us to know how we're going to play against them. So uh, I could see it being that kind of scenario with with the Clippers for sure. So for the sake of argument, let's slot the Jazz in at the number one seed, and also for the sake of argument that they get past whoever is in that concocted eight spot. So my point that I want to go with you is the second round, and right now we don't know, but there's two or three teams, maybe you want to go four teams, that could potentially play the Jazz in the second round. Can you evaluate who you would consider the most dangerous? In the second round? Yeah, the potential Jazz matchup in the second round, knowing that there's mm-hmm. maybe two or three teams that could be a possibility. Who do you I like? I think the there? answer, yeah, the the answer is undoubtedly the best, the best shooter, the best scorer from a from a point guard position that I've ever seen. That's Steph Curry. I I would be frightened. Now I, I completely understand that Denver is a better is a better team overall and you know the jazz definitely have uh, a little bit of nightmare from from the denver nuggets you know considering what the Jokic dropped 35 and a half against them this year <laughs> and then also uh you know beat them in the bubble in that in that really tough seven game grind but i i would i think i would easily pick the jazz over the nuggets in a series this year, maybe in you know five or six games, I, I I think whenever they're rolling, I think Utah's defense is just so unbearable to to a team like Denver. So I think it would be I think Utah would would kind of fare pretty well against Denver this time around versus in August September. Uh, but I I think the Warriors would be a team that you know even though the shooting and scoring around Steph and you know the Jazz blew them out when they were when they were in Salt Lake City what was that a few weeks ago so i completely understand why people might roll their eyes about that but i, I just don't think you want to get into a battle where Steph could go for 40 he could average 45 for the first three games in the series and it could be 2-1 warriors and you know people would be freaking out so i think that might be the team that that you 
you're not going to try to avoid them. The Jazz are going to continue to win games as they should and be the one seed. But, but you know, if Golden State's lingering there and they're, they're in the play-in tournament and they end up the eight, then, yeah, that, that could be a little alarming because, you know, I don't care how dominant Rudy Gobert is defensively or how dominant Mike Conley has been when he's been healthy guarding point guards. Uh, Steph, there, there's no solution for him pulling up 35 feet uh, behind the screen. There's just no solution for it. So of the Blazers, Suns, and Spurs, who are currently 4-5-6, is there, I don't know if I want to call them a fraud, is there a weak link? Is there someone that is a Jazz fan, you're like, yeah, that's the, that's the breather in the second round? Well, like the Spurs have been have been strange, right, where I don't think that, I don't think a lot of people really just look at them as this genuine six seed at 16-11. Like they just, they have a negative point differential. The Spurs at five games over 500 have been outscored on the season. So um, I'm not, I don't know if I'd call them a fraud because no one's considering them to even win a, a couple games in the playoffs. They're not even expecting that. So uh, they're kind of just there, right? They're, they're there because of Pop and the young guys that are thriving. So the Spurs are there, but they're not serious. No, no one would take them seriously in the playoffs to, to me. Uh, the Blazers, the Blazers are fun because, like on paper, when they're healthy, they should be where they are now. They should be, uh, you know, winning sixty-five percent of their games. They should, they should have an MVP candidate in Damian Lillard, which they do, and it, it things should be fine. But they haven't been healthy, and they're still here. So I think they're more on the legitimate side. Um, but but again, like uh, the benefit of Utah not. Ha- not being in that bracket or not being there, um, you know, well, they would have to play for it in the first round. So, you know, that, that is kind of, that is kind of crazy. If, if they do get Dame Lillard uh, or not, not in the first round, in the second round, sorry. So they might have to avoid Dame Lillard and stuff like that. And it might be easy for them to do that at getting the one seed. So that's another benefit of winning, just kind of, kind of, uh, you know, dictating your own path through it. Um, but you know, Portland would be kind of kind of serious to me. I I don't think I would be concerned if I was a if I was a Lakers, Clippers, Jazz. I I wouldn't be concerned about Portland. But it's a team that you you might have to just pencil in for like a a good long six game series just because of how they shoot the ball. Uh, but you know, I, I've always been fascinated by Phoenix too. I'm not sure how you guys feel about the new look Suns, but I kind of thought they were going to be like this league leading or or close to league leading offense. And maybe struggle defensively, just because you know a lot of their guys are still kind of young. And then you bring in Chris Paul, who he's he's really good defensively, but he's you know not a spring chicken. I thought they I thought they might struggle on that end, but it's been kind of the opposite. They've been like you know league average offensively, uh, really really good at, at certain points on defense. Uh, do I think the Suns are a title contender? No, but being in the four five bracket there, that that that's that, that that's the perfect spot for them. So. There is a clear separation line, by the way. Like after the third team, after the Clippers, which you could argue, you could even argue the Clippers are the best team in the West uh, from a playoff standpoint. And you know, there's a good line of demarcation under them that says the rest of the West is kind of, kind of just, eh. You know, it's kind of like Eastern Eastern Conference level talent after the third spot. Well, Shane, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for uh, not going down to the beach. And hanging out with oh, us. For sure. Oh, yeah, anytime. I'll, I'll talk jazz over laying in the sun anytime. Okay. Thanks, Shane. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. 
based in Kentucky, but in L.A. with the big games with the Jazz and the Clippers and the Lakers and the Nets. Jazz and Clippers tonight. David Locke will have the call. It'll be on 97.5 The Zone. That game tips off at 8 o'clock. The Aggies and Boise State will be on 1280 The Zone tonight, and Scotty G will be on the call there as the uh, as the Aggies try to get a split in Boise. DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed. Coming up next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Sam Amick. I still see national pundits compare the Jazz to the Hawks of a few years ago that were so good but ended up flaming out. Is this a case where the Jazz really can't win those people over to their side? Because 20 of 21, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Donovan Starr does continue to get brighter, but it's not as bright as a James Harden or a LeBron. If you ask the casuals why Utah is winning every night, they say, tell me what LeBron's doing. But they're earning respect on a nightly basis. They're winning even when they don't play all that well, which is a sign of a really good team. They're winning when they got guys out of the lineup. They seem to also keep their perspective on the big picture and know you don't win a championship a couple months into the regular season. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to recap everything you missed in this show. We have talked a lot of jazz today. The Jazz and the Clippers are playing tonight at 8 o'clock. David Locke will have the call on 97.5 The Zone. Scotty G will have the Aggies on 1280 The Zone. They need a split in Boise. The Aggies started the week in first place, but with the Broncos win Wednesday night, they took over the top spot in the Mountain West. And PK will have a full range of college basketball this weekend for the Aggies. Their challenge is to get back to the top of the West as they get ready for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. They get a chance to get in that large bid, even if they don't win the tournament. But back-to-back losses against Boise would obviously be a problem. BYU sounds like they're in the tournament. They just have to not mess up. They're at Loyola, 1 o'clock on uh, Saturday. They crushed Pacific last night. And then the Utes, 20 turnovers, just really beat themselves at Oregon State. That was awful. <laughs> Way to leave me with the negative. Well, you got all three. You can take any one of them. Anywhere you want to ah, go. Forget that. Now I'm going to go boating this weekend. Enjoy the beautiful weather. You are not going boating. <laughs> if there is like one thing in Utah, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say society, but kind of culture that is like completely, completely foreign to me, it's boating. You put me out there in a boat, I'm liable to hurt or kill somebody. One time I went sailing in the ocean. It was a disaster. We got back to the marina, but that was hard work. Here's a rule for you. Stay 150 feet away from every other watercraft. You'll be okay. I just what do you mean be. You, we'd be I a disaster? Be. If I took you on a boat and made you sit down? Yeah, you'll be fine. Oh, if I weren't in charge, I have to be in charge. No, you're right. If I'm just sitting on the boat and someone else who like <laughs> has been to Lake Powell 50 times and can handle a houseboat. No, you wouldn't be in that position in the first place. Yeah, but for me to go down there and just run a boat, oh, I'll just go down to Lake Powell. for uh, nah. No, someone would take I've never driven a boat. Right, exactly. I have. I, I didn't grow up with anybody in my family, family. that had a yeah. boat. I don't even know. Do that. they have? Is that a thing in Phoenix? Because it's not much of a thing in San Diego. People just go to the ocean. Yeah, boating. It's nothing like it was here. Yeah. They took boating to a new, higher level, and it's made me just despise with all my passion, Lake Powell. <laughs> There's a very famous rant I, I made you. into a promo once upon a time. I left you with negativity. It's classic. <laughs> you despise Lake Powell with your whole being. I do. I do. I would rather have to go 
to the DMV in California. Than oh, the oh <laughs> that's a horrible. There's a day of your life you're not getting back. Having talked with an in-law recently of mine oh who gosh. had to go to the DMV in California, that is cruel and unusual punishment for You yourself. know people are just ranting about California and they don't know what they're talking about. Well, the high taxes of the liberal government. You want to cut right to the core? Talk to somebody who's lived in California about going to the DMV. Going to the DMV. I dare you to find someone with a good experience. Good luck with that. What a nightmare. When I worked at Debris, I had to drive by it Ugh. most days, and I, I thought they were giving away money because there was always a line <laughs> right? around the block. Giving away money. There's 100 people, and there's one person helping, and they're always five minutes away from a break. <laughs> and I, mean, I would, yeah, I would work these crazy shifts. Like I would work a, a 7 a.m. shift, be off, and then work a 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift and be off and go back to 7. So I would drive by there at all various times of the day. And when I would drive by for my 7 a.m. shift, you'd see the line of people waiting for a place that didn't open until 8 or 9 o'clock. They'd already be uh, 40, 50 people deep. So that was always a nightmare. So I'm glad I thought of that. But, yeah, that's what I think of with Lake Powell. I absolutely, I wish they would drain it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I can't stand it. And I've only been there once, and I'll never go back. So that's you- my little – my you, little Utah thing. Okay, do you have any genius-level college basketball news to drop on us? Utes, Cougars, Aggies, anything before we move on? Well, I do believe that the Aggies have got to find a way to win if they want to win the regular season title. And obviously, BYU is not going to win the regular season title because Gonzaga is so awesome. They just It's a question of how many people they beat by or what's the point spread. You know, I was sort of thinking about Gonzaga and the Jazz have a lot in common. Now, Gonzaga's been good for a number of years, but you watch national shows. They've gotten more respect. There's no question about it. They've gotten more respect, uh, for, particularly for people who are in the college basketball. The casual, well, let's wait and see what they do in the tournament. Well, it's the same thing with the Jazz. All right, you're going to be in the tournament. We don't call the uh, professionals. We call them the playoffs as opposed to the tournament. But the Jazz now, with their phenomenal run, is taking on like a Gonzaga-like approach. Let's see what you do in the tournament. Let's see what you do in the playoffs. And I would equate it to Gonzaga gaining national respect. I really believe they've gained national respect now to have a form of legitimacy. And what I'm going to compare it to for the Jazz, even if they don't win the title, there's still opportunities for them to gain national respect without winning it all, just like, in my mind, Gonzaga has done. We talked a little uh, NFL this morning. The Eagles trading Carson Wentz. They've agreed to trade into the Colts for a third-round pick this year and then a conditional 2022 pick. It could be a first-round pick if Wentz plays 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps. This whole quarterback thing in the NFL is just totally different than it's been. It's it's weird to see this many quarterbacks who've had success, uh, you know, at least flirting with the possibility of leaving. You know, they're, they're not all handling it the same way. The Colts, it feels like musical chairs, like, we can get Wentz. He's been good. With a change of scenery, he could be good again. And if we wait around, who knows if Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers is really moving. Watson would seem to be the most likely, and Rodgers would be the least likely. Uh, but we don't know. It could be over. Uh, and then even if they are moving, do you know that you're getting get him? So the Colts, who need someone to replace Phillip Rivers, just – Go all in on Wentz and say, we'll take what we can get right now because who knows where these other situations are going. 
Yeah, as far as Wentz goes, I don't think it's exclusively a change of scenery. It's a change of scenery to Frank Reich because he was the offensive coordinator with the Eagles in 2016 and 17 before he got the head coaching job with the Colts in 2018. So I think, obviously, they have that relationship there. And he thinks he can maximize Wentz. Yeah, because Wentz did play well. It's not Mm -hmm. like he's been a bust. I mean, there has been t- there have been times he has played well in this league, and so I think that relationship there clearly is what is driving the Colts. Now, there's a two things there with the Colts. They need a quarterback, and obviously Reich has that relationship. And you look at the Colts. I think that uh, it will be the fourth or fifth year consecutively, game one, that they will have had a different starting quarterback. That's sort of crazy as they go there. But I can get why Reich thinks, you know, he's a former quarterback himself, obviously, and why he thinks that, hey, we can get something out of this kid here, and I believe in him. Plus, it's not like they've got a great alternative standing there anyway. No, they don't. Rivers retires, so they got to figure something out there. Uh, Brian Thompson, the former Utah wide receiver to Arizona State. He's got two years of eligibility. And there was always the promise with the youth, but there was never the big breakout season that you fans desperately hoped for. And it'll be painful if that's what he does now at ASU. But no, it won't. But no, it won't. Po- yes, it will. No, it won't. Of course it will. No, well, pain is in the eye of the receiving of the pain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. How can I argue with that? I don't even know what that is. Well, I think we know with Brian Thompson, you know, maybe he only plays one year, but either way, I think his college career is going to end in Pasadena in January. Because? Because the Devils are going to go to the Rose Bowl. What do you mean because? Uh, You dope. That's the goal. I have two goals every academic year for my two sports teams. One is to go to the Rose Bowl and the other is to go to the College World Series. Okay, you've been telling us how mediocre Herm is. He's getting all this run. He hasn't done anything that the other coaches haven't done. I haven't, no. But now this is the year. Oh, no, I don't know that this is the year. I'm just, that's my goal every year. Okay. They can win two games, and my next year the goal is to go to the Rose Bowl. That's, that's not necessarily my goal. That's my wish. And it's only happened twice. So it's not like I got a great track record on my side here. Uh, the NBA News, Lakers announced Anthony Davis is out for four weeks. We had Shane Young on, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes, and he brought up the possibility of the Lakers uh, dropping to a four seed and not worrying about the playoff matchups and how things work out. You know, if you're two or three and you're going to have to play the Clippers and then play the Jazz, what does it matter if you're four and you play the Jazz and then you play the Clippers? I guess it would just mean that you have the five, and that's a yeah, the potentially tougher, a diff, yeah. more difficult round and a matchup in the first round. Yeah, and you know, the more I think about it, uh, I was thinking about it during the last segment. Uh, you know, I can argue whoever, if you're playing, whatever the three teams are, and say two of them play in the second round, right? Which we anticipate, and, and for Jazz' sake, you know, at least they won one one round anyway, but. Whoever comes out, say the Lakers play the Clippers, the Lakers play the Jazz, the Jazz play the Clippers. I think I covered all the combinations there. Whoever comes out of that second round goes into that conference final with a world of confidence. So even though you think, oh, I get the first seed and let those other two teams play each other, whoever that team is that comes out of that second round, you would be thinking they would be playing at the 
at the top of their game, so they just roar into, even if it's seven-game, or go into the conference final with as much confidence as they could possibly have. So, I mean, we could beat this around till yeah. we're blue in the face, and I don't know that we come up with an advantage-disadvantage one way or the other. It's just a matter of what do you do when you get in that particular round, whoever you play. Do you play well enough to beat them? That's all that matters. Mike Conley questionable tonight with the hamstring. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Nick Batum all listed as questionable for the Clippers. So we'll see which of those questionables breaks towards their plan and which of them turn into they're out. Your sources believe that Paul George will be out, right? Uh, yes, that, that they, he has a lingering toe situation here but i get Locke's concern the clippers are extremely long and i get why a lot of people think that they have the best overall talent yep that's what shane young and david Locke have both brought up on this uh on this show is look out for the clippers they haven't had all their guys yet but if they get all their guys together and play for a while and get into rhythm they're a really difficult matchup well, for the jazz i mean i felt that last year too mm-hmm. dj and pk it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone your feedback coming up next and yes people are already weighing in on boating so gear up for that Next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougars. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, Greg. Thanks for your time and look forward to catch up again here very soon. Yeah, uh, where are you, by the way, uh, Scotty? Did you go to Boise last night or what was the deal there? Yeah, I am in Boise. When I left for practice last night, it was about a two-point game maybe ten minutes ago up at Boise State. So Boise takes a, a bit of a lead in the race for the conference crown with that win last Night, right? Was he dumping salt on the snell a bit, or? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. You guys lost last night, huh? So, kind of relive that pain from last night. How did that go? I can't imagine there was any kind of salt being poured in the wound. <laughs> so, Boise takes uh, a bit of a lead in the race for the conference crown with that win last night, right? Okay, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> Hanson Scotting weekdays from ten to two on 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Positively inviting, positively cute, positively exciting, positively cute. Was that up with people? Is that late for a Super Bowl halftime show? What are <laughs> no. we doing there? That was so Kay, who has been our regular s- submission right? artist with his music. He actually sent that clip in and then re- later emailed me with the full file. It's a song that's paying credit to Quinn Snyder. I can play the full song really? if you'd like me to. It's about a minute 20, but send one clip of it and then send me the full file. There's a song for Quinn Snyder about Quinn Snyder. Uh, apparently so. I think Kay's part of the group that did it, and he sent it in to us. So I'm going to start mixing into the rotation if you want to hear it. All right. PK, they're singing about this team. Who knew? We are the champions. That is the song. My jazz. That's later on this summer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this time we'll go berserk. If that will happen, (laughs) I just want to see it one time. That would just be so awesome. (laughs) It really would. Although I got to say, I wonder how much it'll be dialed down because of the pandemic. Well, we don't know what's going to be available. We don't. We, get there we don't know where it'll months, be in the summer. So I was going to say. In, in 97, when they went to the finals the first time, they lost two games in Chicago, and they came back and won two. And in the second one, Stockton hits a really deep three and then throws that pass 
you know, the length of the court hits Malone in stride for the layup and the place is going nuts. And I had to do a live shot out on the curb of 300 West. And I could not believe what a zoo it was. There were people going up and down, honking horns, hanging out. You would have thought that that was the, the fourth win and they won the title. That's how crazy people got when they came back to 2-2. Can't imagine what it would be like. It was a complete zoo out there that night. I want to imagine. I agree. All right, so you brought up, uh, we brought up boating, and I said that was like, I couldn't be more a fish out of water in Utah than boating. That would just, I, I, should, I can't be turned loose, loose with a houseboat. I have to be the passenger. You sit over there, don't do anything. Don't break anything, don't hurt anybody. That I could handle. Beyond that, I'd be a disaster. And then you went off on how much you loathe Lake Powell, and you stayed Iceman, tweets at us, at Jack Dunbar 10. I love boating. No need to get on the water when hopefully Utah State can boat race Boise State tonight. Go Aggies. <laughs> nice connection there. I'll give you that. And then uh, Jill says, boating sucks. I hate water. Don't do it. <laughs> well, I don't hate water. I think we need water. <laughs> I love water. I love wading. I love boogie boarding. I don't surf anymore. I love boogie boarding as long as the waves aren't too bad. And take me to the Caribbean, Key West, and I could just hang out in the water for hours on end because it's beautiful. Ah, Key West. Better than Hawaii? You've been to Maui. Ooh, that's a tough call, man. I'll, I'll have to – I don't know that I can answer that off the top of my head. That's a research project. And I'll, <laughs> I'll have a theme written for you by Monday. I need months to work on that. <laughs> yeah. I got to go back and forth and put a list of pros and cons, weigh them, debate them, come to all those conclusions. In other, right. in other words, right. Scotty, I need some time off. <laughs> that would just be absolutely awesome if it came to pass. Uh, discussion on the Utes here. And uh, Jason, you know Jason Franchuk, at Hark the Franchuk, uh, oh, sums sure, it up yeah. with time to head back to Montana. Referring to Larry's tenure at the U. He is ready to turn the page and move on. Um, I, I may be Charlie Brown here, but I'm, I'm going to give him next season. Wow. This will be a fifth straight NCAA tournament missed. But this Forget- season is so wacky that I'm going to give him a l- little bit of an exception. But doggone it next year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, uh, what else we got here? Uh, oh, Rob. Rob on the Charles Barkley says, this is the flip side of the same coin. Controversial take by the talking heads at TNT drives local talking points. That's what they get paid for. Rob doesn't think there's anything to this other than people just fill in time. Well, I mean, that's all we all get paid for is talking points. I'm over that. It's just the validity of the talking point. Yes, of course. If you're in a talk basis, that's the whole point. Right. We understand that. But what type of credibility is within the talking point that leads to real discussion? Uh, as, uh, as I said earlier, I just, the Jordan Clarkson as an all-star, that's an intriguing p- point and worth debate. But when he threw in kick out Anthony Davis, that surprised me. When you're the second best player on the championship team, I assume you're going to be in the all-star game. Mm-hmm. I guess you could yeah, say there's some expe- ex- exceptions. Uh, the Mavericks, who was the Mavericks second best player to Dirk? Were, were they an all-star? Tyson Chandler. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to go back and look. Right. Vince Carter. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. We want to bring in one more time 
Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic with a breakthrough treatment that does not involve a pill, injections, or surgery. Andrew, what can you tell us about it? Well, this treatment, acoustic wave therapy, uh, we use the most advanced form, and it's been really cool. It opens up the blood vessels in this part of the body. We've done a ton of this and helped a lot of guys get off the pill, get back to normal function. You can imagine the clinical studies say 40 50% more blood flow, what that would do in the bedroom. You know, that's great. That, that's probably all you'd need to completely reverse the ED. Cambridge University recently conducted a study on the treatment, and what are the, what are the details you can fill us in on? Yeah, they did. Uh, there's 40 clinical studies. Cambridge is one of them. They took a bunch of guys struggling with ED of every age, and they actually intentionally took some guys with health conditions, diabetes, prostate issues, blood flow issues. So I'm thinking this is more severe ED. At the end of it, they said all men experienced an increase in blood flow. That is pretty cool. Uh, The science is, I think we can say scientifically proven now. The science is sound, and we're learning that this really does work. Some guys still might want to take the pill. What would you say to them? I would say if it's working great and you have no side effects, keep doing it. If you're experiencing headaches, you're noticing that the pill isn't working anymore, then this is probably a good alternative to look at because that pill will eventually stop working. All right, you got a special offer for the listeners to if they want to uh, give this a try and give you a call. Yeah, take the first step, put a stop to your ED, call us now, and this is the last one of the day. Uh, we'll do the assessment, the exam, even the blood flow ultrasound. This is with our medical doctor at no charge. A uh, little special gift we're going to throw in. You're going to like it. It produces instant results in the bedroom. All of this, a pretty good value. Call us now. It's no charge. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim the offer at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. All right. Scotty and Hands are coming up next.